and golden eagles across the country. At least 67 were killed in the past five years. Now, the coalition government need to reject misleading stereotypes of benefit claimants. That from the Child Poverty Action Group, who claims the government doesn't understand the concerns of people on low incomes. But what's your impression? Here's what these people in Bedfordshire think. Some people just like to live on benefits, you know what I mean? when they should be out there looking for work. A lot of others, they just seem to go and fill a foreman or something and get the money without doing much for it at all. A group of more than 100 education experts, meanwhile, say children in England shouldn't begin formal lessons in school until six or seven. In a letter to the Daily Telegraph, they argue children aged four and five should be allowed to play instead of having to focus on English and maths. And staying with education, teacher shortages in the east of England may lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic called Dr Jenny Gilbert. She fears primary schools will be forced to recruit unqualified teachers if trainee numbers don't increase. We'll stay listening as Dr Gilbert herself will be speaking to Ian Lee straight after this bulletin. Now, some of our most dangerous prisoners aren't being properly risk assessed before they're actually freed. That's according to a joint review by probation and prison inspectors. It claims murderers and rapists are being released without adequate checks. Liz Calderbanks, the chief inspector of probation. They weren't challenging enough and they relied too often on the account of the offence given by the offender. They didn't take into account other objective information like their behaviour on the wing very often. They needed to include a much wider range of sources. Moving on to sport and in cricket, rain continues to delay the resumption of the third one-day international between England and Australia. Before the weather stopped play, England had reached 59 for three after 15 overs. Well, speaking of the weather, we're going to have some mist and fog around still this morning. Feeling brighter come this afternoon, temperatures 20 degrees Celsius. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at half past six. Yes, boss. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've not had enough sleep, which normally means I'm a little bit hyper-hyper, and that's generally when I cross a line and get the sack from my jobs. So, set your cassette recorders to record. Today's going to be a humdinger. Coming up, as people in Lodge Farm get a step closer to having a wind farm near them, I ask, why do people have such a problem with wind turbines? Children in beds, hearts and bucks are leaving primary school unable to read. Well, whose responsibility is it to get kids reading? And what annoys you about the way people use their mobile phones? Checking their emails in meetings, sending rude texts to other people in the same meeting, going on Facebook when you're having lunch with them? We'll find out. Lots of ways to get in touch this morning. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, friends, have a listen to this. No, it's not a recording of my tinnitus, although it's pretty darn close. It's a wind turbine. Now, I think I could quite happily live near one. Could you? 
Well, if you're in Milton Keynes and live near Lodge Farm in Castlethorpe, you may have to. Milton Keynes Council have approved plans to build one, despite opposition from hundreds of local residents, five parish councils and even its own offices. It still needs to be approved by the government, but Castlethorpe Parish Council and villagers will have to fight that battle without the backing of MK Council. Well, our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis, visited an existing wind farm at Petso Manor Farm near Emberton yesterday to hear just what noise they were making. I'm about 500 metres from the edge of a wind farm near Emberton. There's seven turbines altogether, and I'm closer than any other property. There's only a barn between me and the wind turbine, and it's all farmland around me. You can hear the birds in the trees. I heard an owl a minute ago. What you can't hear is a wind turbine. Excellent report. We should just, can we just play that for the three hours this morning? Wouldn't that be delightful? Well, Andrew Geary is the ward councillor for Castlethorpe and also the leader of Milton Keynes Council. Uh, Andrew, I- explain how high the level of opposition is to this wind turbine. Oh, the level of opposition to this within Castlethorpe and within the surrounding area is huge. And I have to say, this isn't, before anybody portrays it as such, as nimbyism and anti-wind. What this well, is, is opposition, and, and quite serious opposition, to the size and scale of what's being promoted, and also the prematurity of what's being promoted, because the uh, relevant surveys that need to be conducted around um, ecology just haven't been done. I do like the fact that whenever somebody uh, is objecting to something being built near their backyard, they claim it isn't NIMBYism. Well, if it isn't NIMBYism, Andrew, what is it? Right, let's put put it this way. The the, uh, concept of what um, the applicants at Lodge Farm are trying to do is something that is fully supported by Milton Keynes Council and indeed has received the support at public meetings of those within the village. And if the applicant came with a sensible-sized, either a small or a medium-sized turbine to do exactly what they're claiming they want to do, and that is to power their own um, industrial units at Lodge Farm and add a little bit of surplus back into the grid when it isn't being used, then that will get support, and that would be supported locally, and it would certainly be supported by me. What this is, is not a small or medium-sized turbine. This is a large-scale turbine. We're talking about something that's 99.5 metre to blaze tip. You know, the next tallest structure within the area is the beautiful and historic Hanslope Church at 57 metres. That sort of puts into context what we're looking at here. This is bigger than anything you currently see in Milton Keynes, short of the wind turbines that you spoke about at Petso yesterday. Andrew, you're, and the, you're the leader of, of, of Milton Keynes Council. How come the council went against its own officers to back the scheme? You would have to ask Development Control Committee that. Um, but you're the, all I'm asking you is the leader of Milton Keynes Council. Surely you know. Um, well, I don't know everything about Development Control Committee because actually I don't have any jurisdiction over Development Control Committee. However, I was at Development Control Committee that night and my own assessment is that there were three members of Development Control Committee who followed the officer recommendation. Two who abstained and the four who voted against, I believe, did so on party political lines and not on planning policy lines. Well, the, the, you, you get, we get the people that we deserve, I guess. Um, you get the people that, that you that people elect in different wards. You do indeed, and uh, development control, although quasi-judicial, is made up politically proportionally. The farmer developing this turbine says it will bring much-needed jobs to the area. That's got to be a good thing, isn't it? You explain to me how a wind turbine brings jobs to.
Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. What this does is brings green energy to the area. Well, that's that going to be a good thing as well, hasn't it? So jobs and green energy, it's ticking two boxes. I, I, don't, I don't agree with the jobs part. Well, someone's got to build it. I, I don't think, um, yes, and that doesn't bring jobs to the area. They come in, they put it up, they go away again. That doesn't bring jobs to the area at all. Um, the green energy part of it, I do think, is, is, is useful. But let's do it on the right size and the right scale. It is possible for a turbine of two-thirds of that height to actually achieve everything that the applicant wants it to do. The reason this is being done is purely because it ticks boxes to get, that this size ticks extra boxes to get extra government subsidy. That isn't right. They are beautiful, though, aren't they, wind turbines? Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I would beg to differ with you. I'd rather have a wind turbine than an incinerator or even a, an electricity pylon. Um, I would rather have an electricity pylon. You'd ra- you think electricity pylons are more attractive than wind turbines? No, I didn't say they were more attractive, but they're less attractive. And the significance is that they don't move and they're not continually rotating and continually catching the eye. They also don't do the damage to um, wildlife and ecology that wind turbines can do if put in the wrong place. And this was my other issue, that actually the surveys around ecology that are required and our own countryside offices that were required simply haven't been done. What happens next, Andrew? Uh, right, well, this was obviously a, um, a, de- a... This was not a decision for the Development Control Committee. This was for the Development Control Committee to advise the planning inspectorate whether or not they would have been minded to have granted the turbine which they resolved to do, or indeed if they'd been minded to refuse it, on what grounds they would have refused it. Um, but the applicant has, um, has appealed against non-determination of the Development Control Committee, so this will now go to uh, the planning inspectorate who will make their decision uh, based on planning grounds, not party political ones. Andrew, stay there for a second. Nick is in Norfolk. Nick, you're listening to this. What, what's the point you'd like to make? Well, what point I'd like to make is it's one wind turbine, you know. In Norfolk, we've got 20 to 30 of them in the sea, which you can see from the beach, and close to where I live, you've probably got another 10 to 15. They're, they're no problem whatsoever. You know, yes, some of them look ghastly, but there's no point having a small one if you, you're going to get one, you might as well get a big one to get the benefits. So when you hear people like Andrew um, complaining about the, the, the possible installation of one wind turbine, what, what, what does that make you feel? Well, I just think, well, where do you want it then? It's got to go somewhere. You know, what, if, if it's not gone now, bring it over to Norfolk. We might as well have more where we've got them. Andrew, what's your response to Nick? Well... I, I, I have to say, I, he's entitled to his view, and I'm entitled to mine, and I beg to differ. What, what we've done in Milton Keynes, and as you introduced it a moment ago, so I'm not, I am also the leader of Milton Keynes Council, and what I've sought to do over the last two and a half years that we've led an administration is to put in place policies that are opposing the large-scale wind factories um, on a large scale. And let's bear in mind we've got at least three applications within the borough that are outstanding for them, and that is, you know, that as well as the one that's already been constructed. So actually our saturation could be much greater than that in Norfolk if they're all built. But what we've also tried to do to be positive towards green energy is to support alternative um, sources, such as solar, but also the small and medium-scale wind turbines, because actually, despite what the, the gentleman says, they are far less obtrusive and far less disruptive to, um, to everyday life. Andrew, thanks very much for coming on, putting your point. Andrew Geary, Ward Councillor for Castlethorpe, leader of Milton Keynes Council. What do you think? I do like it whenever we do a story like this, about wind turbines or gypsies or, or whatever. People against these things always start by saying, well, now listen, just get this straight, I'm not a NIMBY. But we just don't want it in our backyard. 
Uh, what do you think? 08459 455 555. I- I've said it before, I will say it again. I-, I think wind turbines are stunning. I would much rather... People say, oh, would you like one uh, near your house? Yep, I'd love one near my house. I think they look beautiful. Much rather have a wind turbine than uh, uh, electricity pylons, which are just the most hideous, awful-looking things. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Why do people have such a problem with wind turbines? I'm often asking to myself. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. It's a quarter past six. Let's get the travel now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. All looking rather nice on the road so far today. It's absolutely fine on the M25. If you're making a drive down toward the M25 quite early, it's still looking empty as you make your way into the roadwork section. And it's absolutely fine as you continue round past the M1 and down toward the M40. If you're joining any of the other motorways this morning, they're looking clear for the moment as well. And speed sensors are not picking up any delays through the roadworks across the three counties, which is always a good thing. Don't forget a couple of sets of temporary traffic lights up on the A355 near to Beaconsfield at the minute. There is a set near Dorley Bottom, and there's also a set at the junction with Burnham Road. Works in Little Chalfont ongoing for the next few days as well. On the A404, more temporary traffic lights. These ones for gas main work between Loudhams Road and St Nicholas Close. And on the trains, departure boards showing no late runners, no major delays, and the tubes to and from London looking good as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
More from him in 15 minutes, or thence about. It's 6.16. It's Thursday, the 12th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Despite residents and five parish councils against plans for a Buckinghamshire wind turbine, Milton Keynes Council is backing it. A group of education experts say children shouldn't start formal lessons in school until they're six or seven. And in sport, rain forced the third one-day international between England and Australia to be abandoned yesterday. The weather, mist and fog, uh, feeling brighter this afternoon. Quite warm with sunshine, a bit of light winds, maximum temperature 20 degrees. That, that, that weather was almost written in English. It was almost written in English, not quite. I, I let's do a little bit of translation there on the hoof. Coming up, we'll be finding out what annoys you about mobile phone users. Maybe they're sending emails when they should be in meetings, or people talking loudly on the train. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This week on EastEnders. Have you forgotten what she did to us? Has she ripped the heart from our family? She's done her time, so will they forgive? She's not some sort of monster. I've got to be scared of her. And can they forget? She was his mum for three and a half months. 106 days if you count in, because I was. Ronnie's back. Close your eyes long enough and the problem just disappears. Yeah. Well, not this problem. Yeah, EastEnders. Face. Every night this week. In your news tonight face. at 7.30 on BBC yeah. One and BBC One HD. Whoa, yeah, EastEnders. Cool. And there's a, I believe there is a special guest star. Do you know who the special guest star is in EastEnders this week, uh, Kelly Betts? Oh, you're talking... Well, can you... Who are you talking to? Can't hear you, I'm on the phone. Well, but I'm... Sorry, say that again. Huh? Oh, the car has gone through some bushes. We're, we're hearing exclusively on BBC Three Counties Radio. Really, it doesn't get any better than that, some might say. Oh, anyway, the special guest is uh, this gentleman. Justin Daly. OK. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Bit of Barry White. One ticket, please. What? Oh dear. Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. She's at home. Yeah, she's at home. Yeah, she's at home. Let the music play. I just wanna dance the night away. Yeah, right here, right here, where I'm gonna stay.
So full of sex. Someone give him a hand. Oh. All right. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. We'll be playing Meet Glen Campbell a bit later on. It's our fun game. We don't have an album of the week because it's a silly idea. If we did, though, it'd be Meet Glen Campbell. Now, soon, children could leave primary school unable to read. It's because less people are taking up teacher training, and it could lead schools uh, lead to schools employing unqualified staff. Well, that's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic, the Associate Dean at the University of Bedfordshire, Dr Jenny Gilbert, who joins me now. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. Why do you think less people are, are wanting to become teachers? Well, it's difficult to surmise why there are fewer of them. What, what we have noticed is um, that this year uh, we've got fewer applications in terms of undergraduate um, students uh, applying for teacher training. And I've spoken to other universities in the east of England, and it's not, it's not just a problem that we've got. Whether it's the, the general um, discussions around education that um, tend to worry students, I don't know. But it's, it's quite unusual, because in the past, we've had something like there could be 10 applicants for every place for teacher training. So uh, it's in, particularly in primary that there's a, a sort of a, a new concern. Uh, do, do you really believe that, that, that primary children could uh, leave school unable to read, or is, is that uh, a little bit of scaremongering? Um, I think it's, if, if you take things to, to an extreme, really, yes, if you, if you work it all the way through. One of the issues is that um, nowadays um, trainee teachers, trainee primary teachers, have to teach something called systematic synthetic phonics, um, which any, any parent of uh, five, six, seven-year-olds will probably be f- familiar with. Um, and it's rather different from the previous way. Uh, what worries me is that if unqualified teachers do come into the classroom, uh, they won't have been taught to do that, and they will find it extremely difficult to um, to work with um, children that have been learning in that way. Why are more people attracted towards uh, towards uh, uh, secondary school to be a teacher? I looked at being a teacher a couple of years ago. The reason I didn't do it is because the pay was awful but it was primary school teaching that uh, attracted me why are less people looking at primary school and more at secondary school well if i if i analyze the secondary situation um the situation there has been that there have been certain subjects that are called shortage subjects where it's been difficult to recruit for many years there was a maths physics chemistry modern languages um, and this year computer science um so secondary has varied by subject uh, subjects like English and history have always been very popular. But there is another factor in secondary, and that is that this year uh, a new system's come in called School Direct, where schools 
recruit the students, where they have to apply for the allocation of places and they recruit the students. There have been far more schools um, doing this through School Direct this year than far more secondary than primary. And in fact, what we've found, um, and I believe this is replicated across the country, is that the number of applications to School Direct is much lower than to universities. Ours is about 50% as an example. Are you optimistic about the future of primary schools, Jenny, or is this a, a downward trend that we won't be able to reverse? I think what's worrying me with primary schools and why I'm particularly concerned at the moment is that last week we were talking about a rise of 20% in the number of primary pupils coming into schools over the next two years. And we know in the east of England that we've had a, a large number of people joining us from Eastern Europe, so that it is a particular problem in quite a lot of parts of the east of England. Um, and in order to accommodate that, all the discussion seems to have been around, do we have enough classrooms? Uh, can schools take them? There's been no discussion about, do we have enough teachers? And I'm concerned because I know that if, at the rate we're going, there might be a drop in the number of trainee teachers coming through. And I'm slightly less concerned about the drop this year, although we still have places available and on our undergraduate courses. So we're taking um, primary um, applicants in. Um, but I am concerned that for the following year, half of the places are going to go to schools, to school direct. And at the moment, our national college um, um, person who, who, from the east of England who discusses the applications with us has said that schools applying in the east of England, um, schools are quite reluctant to apply, particular primary schools. We've been approaching primary schools, and many of them are very small, they don't want to get involved in what they see as a complex system of having to recruit the students themselves. Jenny, we're going to have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Associate Dean at the University of Bedfordshire, Dr Jenny Gilbert. 08459 555555, if you want to have your say on that. Should we have a quick look at the newspapers? Yes, let's. Let's start with the Daily Telegraph. Oh, ah, look, here we go. Um, uh, yes, well, the, the lady who is cuddling James Bond has banned the iPad from bed. Let's just uh, turn to page 31 to find out exactly what this... Because I am starting a campaign in my house to ban telephones from the bedroom. So far, I've had a 50% success rate in that I don't have my phone in the bedroom, but my wife still thinks it does. Uh, oh... Um, uh, it's one of those silly stories written by... You know when, it's, you know when people write... A comment. It's a commentary piece as opposed to a proper story. Anyway, I've tried to buy it. We're, we're talking about phones later on, is my garbled way of... We'll move on, shall we? Yeah, why not? Uh, the front page of The Telegraph. Start schooling at the age of seven, Gove is urged. I wish I'd known this when I just spoke to Dr Jenny Gilbert. I'd have put this to her. Ap academics give warning against too much too soon culture. Formal schooling should be delayed until the age of six or seven... Because early education is causing profound damage to children... Sorry? The profound damage of learning to read and write their own names. What? Traditional lessons should be put on hold for up to two years amid fears that successive governments have promoted a too-much-too-soon culture in schools and nurseries. Uh? What? Sorry, when you go to school at five, you... My little boy started nursery. He's going to be four in January. He, he has... He learnt French yesterday. Well, I say learnt French. What did you learn? I don't remember. Well, think. Um, bonjour. What does that mean? Goodbye? All right, OK. Yeah, well done. Well done. It means how are you, of course. I'm joking. It means hello. It's claimed the current system robs infants of the ability to play and puts too much emphasis on formal learning in areas such as the three R's at a young age. Reading, writing and arithmetic. 
The letter warns that the coalition is now ratcheting up the requirements with policies that prioritise school readiness over free play. Well, hang on a second. You can have both, can't you? You can have lessons and you can have play. It's called school. That's what you do there. Start learning at the age of six or seven. Get over it. For goodness sakes. Then China are going to streak even further ahead of us. Can't be beaten by those Chinese. No, 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 no. Well, we looked at one newspaper there. Maybe we'll look at uh, one more a little bit later on in the show. Who knows? 08459 four double five five double five. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A1 southbound at Biggleswade, it's looking slow after an accident. A single car involved in this one, and it's between Biggleswade South Junction at the A6001 and Edworth Road, which is the Edworth and Langford turning. It's a car that's gone off the carriageway. It's not causing an obstruction, but drivers are slowing down to have a look as they go past. Thank you to John, who just called us about that one. Further down, as you make your way down the A1M, it's starting to build up a little southbound from Junction 8 to 7 past Stevenage. Things looking clear on the speed sensors, though for the M25, no delays yet through the roadworks. Dunstable a bit busy, southbound on the A5 is looking a little slow at the junctions with the A505. So between Dunstable and Houghton Regis you might find it a bit busy. Things looking good on the trains and tubes though, no late runners and no problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. For six, I'm Serena Farrow with the headlines. Plans for a wind turbine have been given back in by Milton Keynes Council. That's despite hundreds of residents and five parish councils against it. Now, the coalition government needs to reject misleading stereotypes of benefit claimants. The Child Poverty Action Group claims a government doesn't understand the concerns of people on low incomes, so wants them to focus on the needs of ordinary families. Well, there'll be more from Imran Hussein from the CPAG, which campaigns for the abolition of child poverty with Ian Lee coming up in the next half an hour here on BBC Three Counties. A group of more than 100 education experts say children in England shouldn't begin formal lessons in school until they're about six or seven. And speaking of education, as we've just been hearing, teacher shortages in the east of England may lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic. Now let's move on to all the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England's 2005 Ashes winning bowler Matthew Hoggard has confirmed he'll retire from cricket at the end of the season. Hoggard is seventh on England's list of all-time test wicket takers and says his career has been an amazing journey. There's so many great memories that it's very hard to pinpoint just one of them. And when you start reminiscing about one, you can pick a whole host of of other memories that you think, well, that was a great experience as well. They go on and on, and it's just great being able to to be able to sit back at the end of a career and say, yeah, that's what that's what I did. Meantime, rain forced the word one-day international between England and Australia to be abandoned yesterday. Australia lead the five-match series 1-0 with only two games to play. Moving on to football and the annual price of a football study by BBC Sport has found that average ticket prices, top four divisions, has fallen by up to 2.4%. Sports Minister Hugh Robertson has told us that he believes clubs are beginning to understand what fans are going through. It is good news for fans, but it does come after a long period of, of incremental rises year on year. So this is a good result this year. The key thing is that it's replicated in years to come. And I think clubs are beginning to understand what fans are going through and to adjust their prices accordingly. 
Finally, the England manager's defended his team against criticism from Gary Lineker, no less. The former captain described England's goalless draw with Ukraine on Tuesday as awful. Hodgson's responded, I don't think every game he played for the England side was a total success. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at seven. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I was going to hit this. Justin Dealey. That's no good to anybody, is it? I'm I'm hardly Justin Dealey, am I? No. uh, Come on. I'm trying to think of something... Do I sound... I I don't even sound like... um, Shut up. You know... Call <laughs> Sorry, Serena. I was struggling to find the button. Three Counties Radio. You're much, much different to Justin Dealey, I think is fair enough to say. It's Serena Farrell. We'll be hearing more from her at seven o'clock. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, what gets on your nerves about the way people use their mobile phones? People sat on trains using their mobile phones. Uh, you're in a meeting and someone's doing their emails. Or did you see there was um, the debate in uh, America, in Congress about whether they should bomb Syria or not, one of the high-ranking military officials was photographed playing poker on his phone. (sighs) Isn't that naughty? 08459 455 555. But before that, benefits are failing ordinary families. That's according to the Child Poverty Action Group. The CPAG says the public rejects the idea that the government understands the concerns of people on low and middle incomes. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out asking people what you think of benefit claimants. Some people just like to live on benefits, you know what I mean? Like easy going money they want, that's it. When they should be out there looking for work. There's a lot of them there. We pick up a few people there and then they, they, we get more money on benefits. Why do we need to work? That's what the problem is. So as a taxi driver, you're hearing conversations from people saying to you, why should I go to work when I can earn enough money living off benefits? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Some people do that. So when you hear that, how does that make you feel? Well, it gets me angry. Isn't it? Well, we're paying taxes and you're living off our money. It's split in two. I mean, people that are, for example, um, disabled or elderly, I think they, they deserve it. I think people from a certain age, 20 to 25, that are just taking it because they can. Um, I think that takes, it kind of puts people who are working out and makes them look at them in different eyes. Um, it's degrading. You can certainly see both sides of this one. Yeah, most certainly. I certainly can. I paid national insurance all my life while I was working, and... Uh, a lot of others, they just seem to go and put, fill a form in or something and get the money without doing much for it at all. They need it. So you have got sympathy? Yes. Are you on benefits yourself? No. Ever been on benefits? Yes. And can you tell me why you was on benefits at the time? Sorry to ask, but... Yeah, I was on the dole. Um, they should get up and do some work. There's plenty of work. So I was unemployed. I've been back in employment for six months. But, you, you know, you have to get your foot in the door somewhere and work hard and somebody will give you a job. Very lazy people think they don't have to do nothing. Yeah, no. There's certainly jobs out there as far as you're concerned because you've been there, done it, got the t shirt. Yeah, no, I was unemployed for a year. Um, started off working part time one day a week and then I worked hard and they took me on six days a week. So, you know, it might take some time, but you know, you have to find a place and do the work. If you don't like it, you still have to do it. It's work at the end of the day. Well, if they can't get a job, then they need to sign on. So, it's not their fault, is it? Happened to me before I had a job. Justin Dilly, they're speaking to uh, members of the public. I'm surprised by uh, by some of those reactions. Listening to that is Imran Hussain from the CPAG, which campaigns for the abolition of child poverty in the UK. Uh, Imran, uh, I was surprised there. The, the, quite a significant number of people saying, come on, everyone, there are jobs out there. Get off your backside and stop scrounging. Uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't surprised, maybe because I work in this area. But, I mean, you know, if you listen to the debate on, 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 these, on these issues... 
you constantly get in the media from, from politicians these kind of images, this, this idea that there are loads of people out there who uh, are living uh, the life of Riley on benefits, uh, refusing to work, when the reality is completely the opposite. But, you know, the reality is most people, for example, on Job Seekers Allowance, are, uh, have worked. We're, we're, if they're on JSA, we're well, we'll be on it for a few months, and then we'll work again. That's the reality. We spoke and I, and I, I genuinely don't think that, you know, JSA, if you look at how much JS you get from Job Seekers Allowance, for example, £71 a week, there aren't that many taxi rides you can take on that kind of uh, money. So what we're saying today is, look, when people talk about welfare claimants, like the kind of attitudes people have are really negative. But what we've, what we've got to remember is think about, our, you know, the, the, the system is like a public service for, is for us as well. So if I only lost my job, would the system be there to help me? If I became ill or disabled, would the system be there to help me? And, uh, and the polling we've done is that people basically saying, actually, you know, you're looking at, my feeling is, I don't think I'll get the help I need from the system if I did lose my job. So when people talk about themselves and the help they would need, the system doesn't really, people aren't confident the system will help them in a way they need it. But when they talk about, you know, those people, you people, everyone slags off in the newspapers as, uh, as, as, as too lazy to work, then of course the attitudes are hostile. We spoke to a gentleman from the uh, Taxpayers Alliance last week who uh, said there are loads of jobs out there. People just have got to lower their standards, lower their sights a bit and, uh, and get those jobs. He seemed to back up the idea that there are lazy scroungers. Well, I mean, uh, it, 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 there are jobs out there, but there are lots and lots of people chasing those jobs. I mean, I think it's, it, I think it's pretty well documented that there are more people chasing jobs than there are vacancies. So, uh, uh, but the tr- you know, but the reality is, if you, if you the numbers of people, most people who get j- job seekers allowance are off it within twelve months. Like huge numbers are off it, but three quarters, eighty percent are off it within twelve months. There's a real churn uh, on job seekers allowance. You know, it's not as if people who are unemployed are unemployed, it's a lump, it's the same people are always unemployed. People move in and out of work. And what we've seen in the recession, actually, is people are desperate to work, including working shorter hours and lower pay just to stay in work. Most people do that. Our concern is that the, the debate on benefits is just obsessed by the kind of stereotypes of people who are refusing to work. Imran, your campaign, people like us, what, what are you hoping to achieve with well, that? I think we just want people to remember, that they, to, basically, we want people to, well, we want people to forget the stereotypes and remember that people on, uh, who need benefits are people like us. So, you know, we may lose our jobs, we may become ill-disabled, we may become carers for our families, and when that happens, uh, we, we, you know, we should have the government step in and give us the help we support, uh, we need, because people like us pay our taxes too and it's a public service that we need to kick in when we actually need help Imran, thank you very much. Imran Hussain from uh, CPAG. Well, listening to that is uh, Ruth Sherman from Milton Keynes who cares for her husband. Ruth, you you've have experience of the benefit system. What's your story? Um, right, my story. The benefit system, um, I think it works but it's kind of flawed at the same time. Um, we struggled. I've not worked. I had to give up work um, coming up three years ago to care for my husband. He's been ill on and off since we've been together. The, the doctors have no idea what's wrong with him. Um, it's very difficult. Um, I heard people talk about stereotypes. Um, for us, it's quite difficult because he doesn't look disabled. Right. Um, so people look at us thinking, so Why? You know, we don't very often, you know, we don't shout about it, but we live off. And, and what benefits do you get, Ruth? 
Um, myself, I get carer's allowance, so I get paid by the government to look after my husband so that they don't have to pay for a carer to come in, which would cost a hell of a lot more. Um, it, that's basically pittance, really, for, for what I do. How, how much um, is it? Do you... uh, for four weeks, I get just over £200. OK, wow. Um, yes. Um, I've worked in the care industry, and I used to get more than that a week yeah. to look after someone for, you know, for five days, for eight hours a day, you know, whereas I look after my husband 24-7. Um, not that I have a problem, I married him, sickness and the health, um, but in a way I feel like I'm doing people a favour. Yeah. Because I'm staying at home and the bill for the care isn't so much more. Um, we have fought for years for his, his benefits. Um, he gets disability living allowance and um, ESA. Um, one of the main problems that we had was because he has worked all of his life. He, I'm, I'm only um, 30. He's older than me um, by 12 years. But before he got ill, um, bar, well, even when he was at uni, he worked. And even before uni and, you know, in high school and that, he always worked, always paid his stamp. But we struggled to be able to then reap that back. Um, when, when he became poorly. Ruth, you um, heard, um, I don't know if you heard the, the people talking to Justin Dealey, but there are, there are people out there listening to this thinking, well, hang on a second, you're, you're scroungers. You, you, are, you are living off the state. You don't know what's wrong with your husband. You should be out working. Uh, you, you should get off your backside and go and do something. What would you say to those people? Um, I'd like to see how they'd cope in the same situation. One of the main reasons I left work, I had, I've got two young children... Um, now they are nearly four and eight. Um, at the time, um, obviously my youngest one was just under one. My husband was looking after her while I was working one day and he had a fall. Luckily enough, he had just put her on the changing table before he fell. Otherwise, she could have been quite badly hurt. Luckily, he was okay. Um, but that is one of the reasons is because my children weren't safe with him. Not through his own fault, obviously. Um, but these people need to understand that life isn't always black and white. Ruth, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Ruth Sherman from Milton Keynes, painting a slightly different picture on uh, people who claim benefits. Do you think that's changed your opinion of benefit claimants? 08459 555 You'll never know how much I really love you You'll never know how much I really care Listen Do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? Whoa, whoa closer Let me whisper in your ear Say the words you long to Listen to the 
The A1 southbound still looking slow past Biggleswade after an accident. A single car's gone off the carriageway between Biggleswade South and the Edwards and Langford turning. It's off the road, but drivers are slowing to look at it. The A1M is then quite busy between Stevenage North and South, that's junctions 8 and 7. And as you go into London through Boreham Wood, there's heavy traffic on the A1 southbound from the Holiday Inn Junction through to Mill Hill Circus. St Albans, roadworks on the Hatfield Road, the A1057. It's water main work and they're doing it around Ashley Road and will be for another week in a bit. And the M25 roadworks, of course, still continue, but right now it's actually looking pretty good in terms of traffic levels as you make your way into the works. Clockwise and anti-clockwise flowing okay on the cameras. Speed sensors not picking up major delays further around the motorway either as you make your way past the M1 and the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 6.46, it's Thursday the 12th of September. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People in Castlethorpe will have to fight their own legal battle against plans for a wind turbine without the backing of their local MK council who actually want it. Children may soon leave primary school unable to read because of teacher shortages. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic. And in sport, England's winning bowler Matthew Hoggard has confirmed he'll retire from cricket at the end of the season. Coming up, what annoys you about the way people use their phones? We'll speak to Justin Dealey, but before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. It's a milder start to the day than we've been used to recently, but it's not all good news, I'm afraid, uh, because it's very grey and murky. We've got poor visibility, a bit of hill fog over the Chilterns, and we're quite likely to see a little bit of drizzle just fall from the thickest of the cloud this morning too. But otherwise, it is looking like a dry day. It's just that brightness and sunshine will be in very short supply. We might just see it brighten up later on this afternoon. Otherwise, lots and lots of cloud, a light wind, and temperatures... Um, on the humid side actually today up to 17 or 18 degrees Celsius that's 64 in Fahrenheit despite you know the relative lack of brightness and sunshine uh, it still feel relatively warm now as we head into this evening's rush hour just before the sun goes down we might just catch a bit of late brightness and then the cloud will thicken again and eventually we'll see some outbreaks of light and patchy rain spread in from the west overnight that's going to stick around into tomorrow morning but a fairly mild night with just a light wind again temperatures down to around 14 15 degrees Celsius there will be rain on and off through the course of the day tomorrow um, most of it light and patchy perhaps the odd heavy burst at times and then for the weekend well real autumnal treat in store it certainly is going to be very wet wet on saturday and windy and wet on sunday that's the forecast thank you very much by the way if you're banned don't phone up you know who i'm talking to I banned someone for swearing and then they tried to sneak on through the back door. No, 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 no. You, you go on the show and you swore and you're banned. You're banned. 
If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, they were really, really unhelpful. They laughed at me. The JVS Show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. We have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having. Since beginning of June, I've had no schedule freezer. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Gentlemen then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Mobile phones, eh, Dealey? Hey, morning, boss. Morning, Justin Dealey. Mobile phones, they are the bugbear of me at the moment, as you know. But why? Well, I've successfully downgraded to a Nokia. All it does is it does phone calls, it does texts, and it has the Snake app. That's ah, it. Well, was this the same phone that you had in the cafe last week when you were checking Facebook on it? Is that the same phone? Yeah. That was uh, that was five weeks ago, Justin. Two weeks ago, actually. Two weeks ago, I was yep. on holiday, mate. So uh, Three weeks ago, then. I was still on holiday. Uh, four weeks ago, then. Yeah, yeah, okay, so four weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Right. I have downgraded to this. It does nothing, and it is wonderful. I have managed to let go <laughs> of being... I have managed to let go of being contactable and being... Carrying the internet round in my pocket was a very, very heavy weight, which I've now left behind me. It's unusual, because I'm still receiving abuse from you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can abuse you. That's, yeah, I yeah, can do that, yeah, without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. But there's a, a survey in one of the papers uh, that people find... Uh, th- th- there are lots of bad habits that people have with mobile phones. Checking their emails when they're in a meeting, texting when they're... You do this a lot. If we go out for, for a snack or for food... Uh, you'll be texting and looking at stuff and not having a conversation with yeah. me. Texting about your programme or emailing about your programme. You sit there, you do nothing, we do all the work for you, and now you're moaning about it. The cheek. You've been talking to people about this this morning. What have they been saying? Yes, yeah, so the headline in the paper this morning is uh, turn off your phone or you will turn off your colleagues at an irritation at work. But um, I've been talking this morning. Huh? I've been talking this morning about mobile phone no-nos and... Um, Here's what people had to say. When they're in the gym and on their phone, it irritates the hell out of me. You know, you don't come to the gym to be on your phone. You leave that thing in your bag, you know what I mean? Sitting on equipment, you know, you're trying to get in and do your set, and you ask the person if they've got any more sets. They're like, oh, yeah, three more sets while they're on the phone. It's like, you really just want to pull them off, you know what I mean, and just stamp on their phone, but you can't. But <laughs> This is getting you, isn't it, badly? You're, you're getting angry now. Big time, man. <laughs> so a message to anybody listening to this, going to the gym, leave your phone maybe in your bag, don't text, don't phone, just go there to train and train only. Too right, too right. You know, you keep that phone in that bag, because if I see it around, a dumbbell might drop on it. Talking too loud when they don't need to. Yeah, like on a bus or a train, or even just walking down the street, you hear them seem to be shouting into a phone. When somebody is talking too loud, are you tempted to say, Oi, shut up? No. <laughs> you just let them get on with it? Oh, yeah, it's not my kind of thing to do. Okay. Oh, no, no, tell anyone that. They're too interested in it, concentrating on it, and don't give it them what they're doing at that moment, at that time. So you're talking about people walking down the street, they could be walking into you. Has that happened to you before? Somebody's walked into you because they're texting? Yeah, that's always. Uh, it's just when people becomes addicted to it, which means constantly on the phone. Let's get that phone quickly, is that OK? Yeah. OK. Hello. Oh, hi, how you doing? Oh, you can fit me in for that spray tan next Wednesday. You can definitely fit me in for it, 11.30. Okay, book me in for it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll try and bring you in with me as well. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay, thanks, bye. Sorry about that, so you saying? Oh, forget it. <laughs> 
I did like, out, yeah. I did like the gentleman at the start, the gentleman who goes to the gym, he gets so angry that he, he wants to pull them off. <laughs> exactly, but, but sometimes when it comes to mobile phones, people do get very angry, whether yep. it's the gym. I think the one which really gets people is when you're on a train. It could be a long train journey, you're trying to relax, and there's some idiot there who, for some reason, raises the decibels. Yeah, hello? Yeah, yeah, so, so what, what's happening? And it does get people very, very angry. Uh, I, I, I've seen people on the train trying to use Skype before on like their, their mobile phone or their pad or something why and the thing is skype doesn't work when you're using it on a computer at home with a good connection <laughs> you try using it on a moving wi-fi yeah hello yeah can you can you hear me i can i could yeah i can see you i can't hear you <laughs> can you hear me oh those people should be arrested oh it's just it, it, it annoys me listen everybody we just need to just back away from the phones a little bit. I think so. I think we should be enjoying life more. I think nowadays that, that everything is, is so instant when it comes to mobile phones. You can be on social network, on their emails, and even making telephone calls. That everything is too instant, and we're getting too carried away. 08459 455 555. Do you want to play a game with me, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly Betts, you want to play yeah. a game? Right, we're going to yeah. play, play Meet Glenn Campbell. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> now, this is... We don't have an album of the week, Justin, because I think it's a very s- tired, sad, lonely old feature. If we yes. did do it, though, it would be Meet Glenn Campbell this week. <laughs> Uh, which is a fantastic Glen Campbell album. I, I have not been able to stop listening to this. It's about six years old. It's full of cover versions. I think... Are you a fan of Glen, Just? I love him. Do you know... His music's fantastic. Rhinestone Cowboy, oh, Witch of the Lyman. Fantastic Beautiful. music. Just lasted the test of time. It, it is. He's got an amazing voice. Incredible guitar player. And I've been using this to try and educate Kelly Betts on what good music is. Good luck. Not that tush, uh, tush they have on BBC Introducing. Good stuff, mm, OK? Yeah, yeah. It's not gone down very well. Because it's good, that's why. Exactly. So, uh, Kelly, would you like to pick another track from Meek Glenn Campbell? Not track eight, it's all about Jesus. Um, I can't remember which other ones you picked, but so, we'll, but so just pick between one and ten. Eight. One, two, three. Four. No, that's the Jesus one. No, don't pick that. I mean, it's a good song, but. Four. One, two, three, four. Um, I think you did that one, didn't you? Pick. Uh, I've pick... done three and five. Oh, no, wait, it's Thursday. Pick track ten. Um, or pa- uh, uh, what about number one? Justin, normally the first track on the album is the best track. Should we have a listen? One. Justin, will you join us at the end of this track yeah, to give yeah, us your yeah. expert opinion? Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Well, this is a corker. This is uh, Sing, the Travis song, but done by Glen oh. Campbell. Well, let's hear him ruin this then. Everything's gonna be fine Surely 
Is a cracking so listen to the slide guitar and that wasn't that wonderful, huh? Here we go, he's gonna say nothing ten times, I've counted. One, two, three, four. Maybe eleven. Right. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's not up to me. We've got uh, Justin Daly. You still there, Just? When you sing, sing. Do you know what? I saw Travis perform that at CFI Friday years ago. They had been rumbled because that was much, much better. Fantastic version. Yeah, you it. go, you see. Did you see? Kelly Betts, what did you think? It was all right. Uh, what, what he's done is he's just made it sound really old. He's did Glen Campbellized it. it. That's what he's done. Yeah. yeah. He's, 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 he's sprayed a bit of Glen Campbell magic on it. Yeah. It's like you've been presented with sort of like a new table and he's he's just, um, like, mm. scraped it all Hang up. Hang on, give the guy some credit. He's got all sorts of health problems. Is he still, still alive? producing music like that. The man is a legend. Deal with it. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and deal with that. Thank you very much indeed. Sing, sing. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still very slow on the A1 southbound as you go past Biggleswade. An accident with a single car involved between Biggleswade South at the A6001 and the Edworth Road. Cars gone off the road through there, people slowing down to look. Then as you continue toward London, along the A1M southbound, there's a fair build of build-up of traffic between Junction 8 and 7 around Stevenage and into London through Boreham Wood. Heavy traffic southbound from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. M25 getting busy anti-clockwise into the roadworks past Enfield, then from the M1 to Watford Junction 21 to 19 and the M40 to the M4 Junction 16 to 15. Trains and tubes though running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. Coming up in the next hour of the show, as residents in Milton Keynes are concerned about the possible installation of one wind turbine, I ask, what's what's everyone's beef with wind turbines? They're beautiful, aren't they? Aren't they? Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30. 
7 o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines protest against Buckinghamshire wind turbine. Children leaving school not knowing how to read. A Royal Mail being sold off. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, despite residents and five parish councils against plans for a Buckinghamshire wind turbine, Milton Keynes Council's actually backing it. The 99 and a half metre high structure at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe will still have to be approved by planning inspectors. Well, Andrew Greary's the councillor for the area and also the leader of of Milton Keynes Council. He insists it's not nimbyism. Opposition to the size and scale of what's being promoted and also the prematurity of what's being promoted because the uh, relevant surveys that need to be conducted around um, ecology just haven't been done. Well, stay listening as Leo Dunwoody from an action group opposing the plans will be speaking to Ian Lee shortly here on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Coalition Government need to reject misleading types of stereo benefit claimants. The Child Poverty Action Group claims the government doesn't understand the concerns of people on low incomes, so it wants them to focus on the needs of ordinary families on benefits. But what's your impression? Here's what these people in Bedfordshire think. Some people just like to live on benefits, you know what I mean? when they should be out there looking for work. A lot of others, they just seem to go and fill a foreman or something and get the money without doing much for it at all. Next, and a group of more than 100 education experts say children shouldn't start formal lessons in school until they're six or seven. Well, the Daily Telegraph says they argue that children aged four and five should be allowed to play instead of having to focus on reading, writing and numeracy. Staying on the subject of education and teacher shortages in the east of England may lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's from a leading Bedfordshire academic. With a predicted 20% rise in pupil numbers, schools may face appointing staff untrained in teacher reading. Associate Dean at the University of Bedfordshire, Dr Jenny Gilbert, fears primary schools will be forced to recruit unqualified teachers. Nowadays, trainee primary teachers have to teach something called systematic synthetic phonics, which any any parent of uh, five, six, seven-year-olds will probably be familiar with. And, and it's rather different from the previous way. Uh, what worries me is that if unqualified teachers do come into the classroom, they won't have been taught to do that and they will find it extremely difficult. A report suggests up to three and a half million properties may be made available to young people and families. That's if people of the age of 60 were able to move to smaller retirement homes. The research says there's a severe shortage of properties suitable for older people and those needing care and support. And the government's expected to confirm shortly that it's going ahead with a sale of Royal Mail. It may be worth as much as three billion pounds. Sport and the BBC surveys found the average ticket price in the top four divisions of English football has fallen. The cheapest adult ticket at the 92 clubs now costs on average wait for it just under 21 pounds so there's mist and fog around though it's lifting now feeling bright this afternoon temperatures 20 degrees celsius get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties thank you serena Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you hear a rumbling, that'll be my stomach, because I am well hungry in it. Very, very... Ah, I can see JVS setting up his studio. Kelly Betts, could you ask JVS if he can maybe pop to the greasy spoon and get us some fried egg rolls? Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Lovely. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including as residents in Lodge Farm get a step closer to having a wind turbine built near them... I'm asking, why do people have such a problem with wind turbines? Children in beds, hearts and bucks may soon be leaving primary school unable to read. 
Well, this comes as a group of experts call for children to not start formal lessons in school until seven years of age. What on earth is going on? And what annoys you about the way people use their mobile phones? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes Council have approved a wind turbine at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe, despite the fact that hundreds of residents, five parish councils and even its own officers don't want it there. Well, what's the problem? I think wind turbines are beautiful, wonderful things. I think they look stunning. And it's one of the, the oldest ways we've got of generating power. Windmills, anybody? Well, our Milton Keynes reporter, Craig Lewis, visited an existing wind farm at Petzo Manor Farm near Emberton yesterday to hear just what noise they were making. I'm about 500 metres from the edge of a wind farm near Emberton. There's seven turbines altogether, and I'm closer than any other property. There's only a barn between me and the wind turbine, and it's all farmland around me. You can hear the birds in the trees. I heard an owl a minute ago. What you can't hear is a wind turbine. Well, if you want to see a video of that, I know, go to the facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. If you want to see a video of a man hearing nothing, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Well, the proposed turbine at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe will still have to be approved by the government's planning inspectors, but Castlethorpe Parish Council and villagers will have to fight the battle without the backing of MK Council. Joined now by Leo Dunwoody, is care for, uh, who's from Care for Castlethorpe, an action group which opposes the wind turbine plans. What's, what's your problem with wind turbines, Leo? Uh, in general, we're no, not against wind turbines. It's the size... Uh, and proximity of this particular turbine to a very sensitive area in terms of wildlife and and very close to existing houses within 450 metres of of two existing houses and about uh, within 950 metres of about 50 houses on the east side of the village. That sounds like 950 metres sounds like quite a distance. The the, the two closer houses, 450 metres, it's only two houses. What's going to be the the problem of having it...? Well, it's it's virtually going to make them uninhabitable. How? how? Despite... um, uh, I heard your um, comments about the Petzl wind farm and lack of wind noise, uh, uh, lack of noise from the turbines... You should look at uh, a meetup a, a on the uh, internet for Kessingland Village mm. in Suffolk, which is having tremendous problems with wind turbine noise. The, the facts are that there is a, a, a type of wind turbine noise, low frequency noise, which really is not understood. It causes a lot of problems. Have you been to see a wind turbine, Leo? Not in others. Have you been to see a wind turbine? Oh, yes. Many. And you heard the noise, did you? If, uh, it depends on, on where you are. Did, did you hear the noise? Uh, I mean, to give you an idea of the size of the... Did, did you hear the noise, Leo? Sorry? Sorry, maybe you can't hear me. Uh, did you hear the noise of the wind turbine? No, I didn't. OK, even though you've been to see several of them. So there isn't a problem with the noise? 
No, no, it's not as simple as that, is it? Well, it is as simple uh, as did you hear a wind turbine noise or or not? You say you didn't, so there's a difference between a five-minute visit and actually living close to one continually. Well, if you can't hear the noise, though, Leo, I don't understand what the problem with the noise is. There, there is a recognised noise problem. With Which you turbines. didn't hear when you went to see some wind turbines. I have seen wind turbines, yes. And you didn't hear the noise? Not in that particular instance. So what's the recognised noise problem? There, there is a, a recognised noise problem with low-frequency noise. But anyway, that, that is just one of the issues. Well, no, but the thing is, uh, the, the reason I'm, I'm focusing on this is because it's often used as, as an argument against wind tu- turbines, and yet you yourself have been to see, as you said, many, many wind turbines. No, oh, I haven't. No, I didn't say that. Oh, sorry, how many wind turbines have you seen? I have seen wind turbines. I'm not, I'm not an expert. No, 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 I'm not asking as an expert. OK, so you've, you, uh, I take back many, many. You say you've seen wind turbines, yes. and yet you've not heard the noise. So uh, it, it would I seem that that argument has to be put to one side. If you, if you, with your own ears, uh, there is I, no noise. I, I, you need to look at the evidence. Well, the evidence, the evidence is the evidence is Leo. My reporter has been and didn't hear the noise. That's you have been. Uh, you have not, been and not didn't hear. Okay. Well, you have been and you didn't hear the noise. So That's not evidence either. So you actually going somewhere is not evidence. Uh, no. Because wow. You need to take a, a much broader view and look at the general evidence right across you're, the country. Leo, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. In, instead of instead of the, confronting the evidence of your own ears where you did not hear a noise we should all believe something you've read on the internet. Uh, something that's been well researched and, and well publicised. Okay. The other, the other big issue with this wind turbine, it is in an area that's very sensitive from an ecological point of view. Milton, Milton Keynes Council's officers requested that a proper ecological survey should be done of possible in problems to bats and birds. Mm. Applicant hasn't actually made, uh, conducted that survey, and yet the council committee ignored that. It's nimbyism, isn't it? Really, this this committee and I was there, and I spoke at the committee. It was an absolute shambles. It was a it was a disgrace to. What, why was it a disgrace? Because they disagreed with you? No, because they did not listen to either the officers' advice. They did not le- They did not listen to government latest government advice on the um, uh, the importance of the views of the local community uh, and uh, they, they ignored the general po- uh, uh, principles that apply to the operation of this type of committee. It was clear that they actually in the end voted on party lines uh, on general policy on wind policy not on the value or the issues with this particular application. It's NIMBYism isn't it? Uh, no, because we, it, 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 it is... You'd like a wind turbine, just not anywhere near you? No. We, we, the problem with this wind turbine is its size and proximity and the sensitive area. So if it, it was... If it was... On the, the possible impacts on wildlife... OK. Is, this is an area with a, a we, lot of bats... We're going around in circles here, Leo. So, so, so it, you do want wind turbines, just not near you? Because of the proximity to these houses and, and the bats? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, in general, wind turbines are a good idea. Just not near you? In the correct place. Which is not near you? Place to put one. Basically. So where would you suggest they put one, then? Uh, in, 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 a, in a less sensitive location. Where or would that be? The, 
And in fact, actually, the main problem with this turbine is its size. If the applicant had applied for one that actually meets his requirements, right. which his own application says is less than half the size he has applied for, ah. I don't think the community would have had a problem. So, Leo, if you're ah, well, now we're making progress then. So you're saying if the wind turbine was smaller, it yes. could go, it could go there. It, I, I know what I'm saying is I think the community would not have had an issue. So with if it. the wind turbine was smaller, would you be, would you be happier with a w- smaller wind turbine in that location? A small yeah, a smaller wind, wind turbine in that location would have been much more appropriate. So you would be happy with that? It would be much more appropriate. Would you be happy with that? Uh, it's not really a question of what I'm personally happy well, with. Well, it is, because it's, it's all about opinions, this story, isn't it? And as you are the, the leader of uh, a, a group, Care for Castlethorpe, which opposes the plans, it, your opinion is relevant, I would have thought. I'm not necessarily the leader, I'm just one of a number okay, of but your, your opinion is, for the group. We can speak as human beings. What's your opinion? Would, would you be happier with a smaller wind turbine? It, uh, I personally, and this is my personal view, would not have had a problem with a, a, a turbine of an appropriate size. Fantastic. What about the bats? Provided that the, there we go. Provided that the ecological studies were carried out c- correctly. Leo, we'll, we'll end it there. Thank you, Leo Dunwoody, Care for Castle Thorpe, an action group which opposes the wind turbine plans. He's heard with his own ears. They don't make noise. My reporter Craig has heard with his own ears. They don't make noise. And yet he's still banging on about the noise problem which he's read about on the internet. Hey, guys, guess what? You know the internet. Some of it's not true. Some of the internet is not true. I don't want to break it to you, but I have to. Some of the internet is lies or propaganda. It uh, it just strikes me that someone who has their own evidence of actually being in a place and not hearing something would rather believe something they've, they've read online. Anyway, I don't know. What do you think? Am I being a bit harsh? 08459 four double five five double five. Was I a bit harsh there? Do you, what do you think? Wind turbines, yes or no? Dennis is in Dunstable. Dennis? Good morning, Ian. Wind turbines, yes or no? I haven't the slightest interest in them at all. I couldn't care less as long as they're not in my garden. Well, see, I, would, I wouldn't mind one in my garden. Would you? Well, best of luck, you can have it. Thank you very much. On the internet? Yes. You just said we, about things on the internet. You've just been spreading stuff on the internet. What have I been spreading on the internet? We're talking to this chap there. You're saying all the things you hear on the are not necessarily true. Yes. Well, do, how does he know that what you say is true? Well, well, that's apart from the fact that you've just addressed me by your name. How the hell do I know it's true? Well, exactly. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have sworn. No. Will you ban me? Thank goodness. No, I'm not banning you. I'm going to insist we speak to you every week, Dennis. Thank you very much. I'm the only thing that's keeping you going. I know you are. As far as far as mobile phones. Yes. My mobile phone bill every month is about £2. What? Yeah. I only use it when I'm out to ring back to my wife to tell them where I am and uh, what time I'll be home. And even she's not interested. On. I don't walk around when it's stuck to my ear. Yeah. It's a very simple phone. It will text, but I can't text. A very simple phone for a very simple man. That's right. Yes. When the kids can't read, when the kids are going out of school, and that, they won't be able to text, thank goodness. What's wrong with when you're you're on your way home or you want your mum or your wife to pick you up, Dennis, yes. ringing three times, put the phone down, ringing three times, put the phone down. What's wrong with that good no, old-fashioned code? Confuse her. She wouldn't know what she... I ah. No, ah. I'd like to speak to her. Yes, of course. She's well, good old. I make sure that she doesn't lock the door from the inside so yes. I can't get in. Well, good for you, Dennis. Anyway, anyway all the best. Ta-ta. <laughs> 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Biggleswade and the A1 southbound, it's easing off now. The accident has been cleared, it looks like it anyway, between Biggleswade South and the Edworth turning. We haven't had any recent updates on it. It was a car that went off the carriageway, so it may still be there at the side of the road, but traffic's moving past without a problem. The A1M, busy southbound as you go past Stevenage, junctions 8 and 7. An into London heavy from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. The M1 looking okay on the cameras for the moment. M25 getting progressively slower though. Queues from Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks. Busy then past Potter's Bar. Queues again, M1 round to the Watford turn at junction 19 and you're going to find a delay from Maple Cross through to the M4 junction 17 to 15. Also a bit busy in Watford, Exchange Road, the A411 looking busy around Beach and Grove Trains and tubes though running without problems Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Adam Right, coming up to 7.17, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Plans for a wind turbine have been given backing by Milton Keynes Council, despite hundreds of residents and five parish councils against it. It's thought schools may have to recruit untrained tri- teachers because of a shortage of qualified professionals in the east of England. And in sport, England's winning bowler Matthew Hoggard has confirmed he'll retire from cricket at the end of the season. The weather, mist and fog around, feeling brighter this afternoon with a top temperature of 20 degrees celsius coming up ugly pets can we find the ugliest pet in the three counties 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio Nick Coffer. On friday i'm stepping back in time to the golden age of steam it's the Bedfordshire Steam and Country Fair at Old Warden Park near Biggleswade, and I'll be there from midday. Nick Coffer. I'm going to be having fun on an old fairground ride, trying my hand at falconry, bringing you live music and learning all about the beautiful vintage steam engines. Nick Coffer. Live from the Bedfordshire Steam and Country Fair at Old Warden Park, Friday from midday, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get more now on the sale of Royal Mail, which has just been confirmed by the government. The business is expected to be valued at around two to three billion pounds shares will be offered to the public the coalition says royal mail needs to access uh, needs access to private capital so it can grow and compete with its rivals the plan was announced in the commons back in july by the business secretary vince cable now the time has come uh, for government to step back from royal mail allow its management to focus wholeheartedly on growing the business and planning for the future It's now time for employees to hold a stake in the company and share in its success. It could mean a cash windfall for posties. Employees are being promised 10% of the new company in free shares, worth up to £2,000 each. But unions claim most staff are against privatisation and won't be bought off. Nicola Smith is the TUC's chief economist. She says there's strong opposition. The Royal Mail campaign has broad-based support from unions and community groups who are very concerned that what we are now going to see is the deterioration of the universal postal service, increases in costs for small businesses, deterioration in services for those in rural areas and all across the UK a concern that tariffs may go up. 
The sell-off could coincide with industrial action at Royal Mail. Staff are threatening to strike over pay in the run-up to Christmas. The Royal Mail is currently legally bound by its universal uh, service obligation to deliver more than 20 to more than 29 million addresses across Britain, villages, towns and cities, six days a week for the same price. Ministers claim that won't change with privatisation, but not everyone is so sure. Stephen Gibson used to be the chief economist of Postcom, the independent regulator for postal services in the UK. I think you have to remember that the market is changing radically and has changed very, very dramatically over the last uh, five years and trying to hold on to the historic uh, universal service. While there are certain limits that are set out in legislation, I think the company will have to move with the market over time. Well, it'll be one of the biggest sales of state assets since the Thatcher privatisations of the 1980s. But even Mrs Thatcher famously said she wasn't prepared to have the Queen's head privatised. What do you think? Does it concern you, the privatisation of Royal Mail, or kind of are you going, huh, oh, whatever? Keen to get your thoughts on this, 08459 455 555. Really, when was the last time you posted a letter? Seriously, we don't post letters anymore, do we? It's a pointless, uh, pointless exercise. Very, very few people. Oh, oh the, the, what about the elderly people in the village? Well, OK, yes, but the majority of people don't post letters anymore, do we? 08459 455 555. We're asking about annoying phone habits. Now that I've uh, downgraded to a really old Nokia that does virtually niche... I, I just see people on their phones. All the, the number of people that walk into me while they're texting. Oh, for goodness sakes. Lynn's in Hemel. Morning, Lynn. Good morning, Ian. What, How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very well. All the better for speaking to you. What bad mobile phone habits have you spotted? I used to go out with a friend of mine and we'd go out for a dinner or something. Yeah, a meal. Yes. Yeah. And um, she'd spend the whole time on the phone to oh. other people. Really? What, are, are talking to people on the phone? Oh, yeah. Say, what What kind of conversations was she having, Lynn? A pointless ones, really. It could be friends calling her and things. And the last time she did it, I thought, am I that boring? Well. Can't, well, don't even go there. No, I, I'm not going to go there, <laughs> Lynn, but I think, I think you're right to look at yourself and ask questions. If you're out with a friend and she's on the phone all the time, it does... Imply no, it's because she. It was just because she was rude. It, she was rude. What did you say? Did you say anything to her? Did you phone her up and say, "Oi, I'm sat over here having a, a, a Caesar salad. Look at me." What I actually did was the last time she did it, I said I was going to leave. Sort of mouthed that I was going to leave. Did you just open a bottle of wine then, or do a burp? No. There was a popping noise. I heard a. No, I don't think so. Okay. You might be hearing things. Um, I think you might be a bit windy pops this morning. Okay, so you said you were going to go to the loo. And I'd phoned a cab, and I just left <gasps> the restaurant. No. What did she... What, have you spoken to her since? She noticed after about half an hour, I think, and called me, and I just said that was... You know, that's the last time you're going to do it. It's rude. Oh. And the other thing that incenses me... Oh, here we go, yeah. It's people on their mobiles in supermarkets. Yes. Wandering round and banging into you because they're oh. not concentrating. I hate that. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do hate it. A lot. I just think that people... Most of the conversations are so irrelevant. It's like, 
I'm in the supermarket. Hello. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Teacher shortages could lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic. Dr Jenny Gilbert from the University of Bedfordshire says the east of England is most at risk because of the lack of trained teachers in the region. Well, Dennis O'Sullivan is the head teacher of Chauncey School in Ware. Dennis, uh, have you spotted this? Is the teaching profession in crisis? Uh, it could be, yes. It's been made into a crisis, certainly. By whom? Hello, Ian. Hello, yes. Who's making it into a crisis? We have a... It's obsessed... Dennis, it's a terrible line. We're going to get you back. Let's get, let's get Dennis back after half past seven so we get, we get a, a, enough time to speak to him uh, properly because that line was, uh, was uh, absolutely shocking and it's an important story. I also want to mention to him as well the, the story on the, uh, the front page of the Daily Telegraph this morning. Start schooling at the age of seven, Gove is urged. I find this incredible. Formal schooling should be delayed until the age of six or seven because early education is causing profound damage. Really? Surely we need to start... I don't mean sit down and get your exercise books out and copy out these times tables, but surely we need to start educating them as young as possible, don't we? Don't we? My little boy, he's three and a half, before in January. Started a new nursery. Last night he came back and said, Dad, I learnt some French today. Fantastic. What did you learn? I can't remember. Try and think. Bonjour. Wonderful. What does that mean? Goodbye. Mm. But still, but still. We'll speak to Dennis a little bit later on in the show, so I'm I'm keen to get his thoughts. Talking about wind turbines, uh, there uh, is a very strong chance that the wind turbine, just the one, is going to be built at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe because Milton Keynes Council have approved it. I don't understand the problem with wind turbines. Dave in Luton. Dave, am I being a little bit too simplistic here with, with, with wind turbines? I think they're fine. So do I, and I'll tell you the truth, I agree with you this morning. Really? I don't have one in my back garden, I don't know about my neighbours, but they can come and put it in my back garden if they want. Because uh, the noise, you, you get so used to that noise, yeah. you wouldn't know it's there. But it, I went up the motorway oh, a few months ago, oh, yeah. forget where it is, yeah. and well, you could see these wind oh. turbines out on the fields. You couldn't hear them because you were miles away in a sense, but they look brilliant. They don't. They look stunning, don't they? Just spinning slowly in the wind in a field. They look majestic. Yeah, but the thing is, they're talking about this wildlife. Yes. The the, the birds, the animals underneath Bats. it. They don't give a monkey's about that wind. Mark. They're out after food. And I, I can't understand why they're, why they're objecting against it all. I love one in my garden. About my neighbours. Yeah. But I love I love it in my garden. At any time. They could put four up if they want. Dave, Dave, look- Dave, say hello to Stephen in Bedford. Hi, Stephen. Morning, Dave. How are you? Well, I'm not... It's raining, mate, so I'm a bit out no, of the I'm- garden. I'm getting a little bit wet, but never mind. Stephen, do you, li- do, you like, well. do you like wind turbines, Stephen? I think they look lovely. And that argument the bloke was saying about the bats, but the bats fly a little eyes closed. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? But they can fly- see things when they're flying. That's a load of rubbish. They were hearing is so brilliant, bats, they can hear that, even if it's not making a noise, and they'll fly away from it. It's well, all this about wildlife out in fields is a load of rubbish. I, I agree with you. We I need the mayor to keep us, keep us going. 
Well, I went up the, I don't know where it is. I went up the motorway and I could see them out in this field, about nine, ten of them. And they looked a picture. I looked at other camera, but there you are. But the wind turbines are absolutely brilliant. And this man, um, campaigner against it, he's all right to switch his electric on. But where's he getting from? What would you prefer? Well, a load of wind turbines or a nuclear power station? This is so oh, simple, you, isn't it, really? Well, you've, answered, you've answered the questions of the wind exactly. turbines, isn't it? Yeah, Straight away. Indeed. Where's Ian gone? Is he gone? Is he? He, he, he's gone for a cup of tea. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's yeah. Just, he's playing that snake game on his phone, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, Justin's made it for him, you know what I mean? Or Kelly, you know. But, and Mr. Lee, can we say, we want to talk about mobiles now. That's it. You can't tell Mr. Lee we want half his wages for doing his job for him. Well, yeah, I want his full wages. 500 a week, you know what I mean, Steve? No, you can not take the payload, please. Yeah, nice to meet you, Steve, over the phone, you know what I mean? Yeah, nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, Get out of the then. But, but uh, Steve, but mobiles. Yes. I hate people walking across the road without looking on their mobiles. And when you bib, they look at you with daggers. I, I, have, I have people walking into me while they're texting. That's because I, I don't let me stand in their way. Yeah, I see somebody walking up the, up the road texting, I just stand there and let them bump into me. Yeah, that, I, I'm going to do that as well. Yeah, but that's the idea. Mr. Lee's only got a Nokia, isn't he? The small nothing one. Nothing wrong with Nokia. No, I've only got a small one. No, yeah. I'm, talking, I'm talking on a Nokia at the brick. So, Mr. Lee. Oh, he's gone for... He's going to meet yeah. Justin's in the studio. One minute, Justin's coming back. But did you notice, Steve, this morning? That is what. Um, Dennis from Dunstall swore, and he wasn't barred. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking quite busy on the M25 this morning, anti-clockwise as you make your way into the roadwork section. The queue's back almost as far as the M11 back in Essex now through toward Enfield. Potter's Bar looking a little slow as well. Then you've got delays from the M1 to Watford and from Maple Cross through to the M4. The A1 looks busy as you go past Stevenage. That's the A1M, of course, Junction 8 to 7. And then into London, the A1, Boreham Wood, the Holiday Inn Junction through to Mill Hill Circus. There's a bit of a queue on the cameras. We've got no delays on the A40 or the M40 right now, despite the roadworks on the M40 up around Junction 7 at Tame. The M1 looks like a bit of a clear run down toward London, if that's where you're headed. And the trains and tubes are all behaving themselves so far today. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 7.30 exactly. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Serena. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven with the headlines. A wind turbine in Buckinghamshire will cause too much noise. That's the reason why people living in Castlethorpe are against plans to build one, though the local council's all for it. Children should start school from six or seven, according to a group of education experts. It's thought schools also may have to recruit untrained teachers because of a shortage of qualified professionals here in the east of England. We'll stay listening as Dennis O'Sullivan, a head teacher from Ware, will be speaking to Ian Lee in the next half an hour here on BBC. C3 Counties Radio, all about his own personal opinion. And the government's expected to confirm shortly it's going ahead with a sale of Royal Mail. It may be worth as much as £3 billion. Right, that's the news. Now let's get all the morning sport. 
Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England's 2005 Ashes winning bowler Matthew Hoggard has confirmed he'll retire from cricket at the end of the season. Hoggard is seventh on England's list of all-time test wicket takers and says his career has been amazing. There's so many great memories that it's very hard to pinpoint just one of them. And when you start reminiscing about one, you can pick a whole host of of other memories that you think, well, that was a great experience as well. They go on and on, and it's just great being able to to be able to sit back at the end of a career and say, yeah, that's what that's what I did. Staying with cricket and rain forced the third one-day international between England and Australia to be abandoned yesterday. Australia lead the five-match series 1-0 with two games to play. Now, the price of watching football's fallen, according to the BBC Sport Price of Football Study. The survey found ticket prices across the top four flights of English football have actually dropped up to 2.4% this year. A ticket, a programme, a cup of tea and even a pie would cost an adult £19.50. Peter Marsden's their chairman at Accrington Stanley. With us, it's all about a different experience. But, you know, we need to price it to get people away from Man United and Blackburn and Burnley and Bolton and Preston, all the other clubs. So we, we do it that way. Finally, the English FA says it's disappointed with Stuart Pearce's recent criticism of his former under-21 players. Pearce gave an interview accusing Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Phil Jones of apathy towards the under-21s. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Thank you very much for indulging my nonsense. Uh, a few minutes ago. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking uh, about teachers as we attempt to get Mr O'Sullivan back on the line. Ugly pets and more of your calls on wind turbines as well. There seems to be a bit of a, a wind turbine backlash backlash in that we're getting lots of people, particularly on the Facebook page, saying, hang on a second, I wouldn't mind a wind turbine near me. What's the problem? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'd love to speak to you if you do live near a wind turbine. Uh, has it made some houses uh, uninhabitable? Has it caused problems for the community? Or actually, they're up and you go, do you know what? It's all right. Don't really notice it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. A new strategy to deal with the care of the elderly in our hospitals is being set out by the Royal College of Physicians. The suggestion is that every hospital should have an acute hub to which all emergency patients are sent with specialist doctors coming to them rather than vice versa. The findings come from the RCP's Future Hospital Commission, which has been considering how we cater for a rapidly ageing population. And we can speak now to Mark Temple, who is an expert in acute care with the Royal College of Physicians. Uh, Morning, Mark. What are the problems with elderly care in our hospitals at the moment? Uh, Good morning. Well, I think one of the the problems is that uh, more and more patients with an ageing population have more than one uh, chronic condition. About two million patients have three or more chronic conditions, that is diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease. Uh, And these these patients need um, care that goes across the the standard specialties that we uh, have in hospitals. And we're saying that these patients need more broad-based physician care, maybe an elderly care physician or maybe a specialist in internal medicine. Um, If those patients need a short space of time in hospital, then the acute care hub is where they should stay. If they're only going to stay in 24 hours, there doesn't seem much sense moving them across the hospital to another ward, particularly if it's to a specialist ward that doesn't quite fit with their problems. So explain exactly what this, this hub is, Mark, and how it would work. 
Well, the hub is really trying to bring together um, areas that are already involved in the acute care of, of patients. But I've mentioned um, a short-stay ward. If you're only going to stay in 24, 36 hours, it would be beside an acute medical unit, which already receives in virtually all hospitals uh, acutely ill medical patients. But we also recognise there's a group of patients that may have an acute illness but, and need specialist care and input but don't need, it, don't need admission to hospital. And we can manage those in an ambulatory emergency care uh, hub. So if, if we have that, if you like, the ambulatory bit right by the acute medical unit, then specialists that see a patient on day one have a good chance of seeing them day two, either in short stay, or indeed if they've gone home overnight and they're coming back for the results of tests, they'll see the same specialist. And what patients say to us is they want continuity of care by the same consultant and the same team. Yes, the continuity is, is a big thing. The times that I've been or visited people in hospital, you can just see so many different doctors. And you're kind of, Sorry, and, and who are you? What happened to Dr Smith, who I was exactly. seeing yesterday? And it does get very confusing doesn't it yes well uh, it interestingly we did this work with a patient with a patient group at the college and we also talked to physicians uh, attached to the college and the number one concern of both groups was continuity of care and the fact that too often your care in hospital is fractured and a lot of our blueprint if you like is to try and reinstate that continuity uh, mark thank you very much indeed mark temple an expert in acute care with the royal college of physicians on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Ugly pets, don't you just hate them? Don't you just... Why would you have an ugly pet? Oh, all animals are beautiful. No, they're not. Some of them are flipping ugly. Some really ugly ones. Well, the Ugly Animal Preservation Society are to announce the winner of their new ugly mascot later today. Speaking of ugly pets, we've got one here at BBC Three Counties Radio. His name is Justin Dealey. <coughs> Morning. Ugly pets. Yes. You have, your mum has got like a little doggy. She's got a Bichon Poo. It's definitely called a Bichon Poo. You received a text a couple of days ago saying it's called a Poujon. It's definitely a Bichon Poo. Uh, and it's, it's a very beautiful, effeminate little girl's dog. It's a lovely looking dog, yes. So it, it certainly wouldn't fit in the ugly animal uh, uh, category. Neither would my Velvet nor my Benjamin Bunny. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, I haven't fed Benjamin for three days. Uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. It's two. <laughs> uh, Justin, you've been out um, speaking to people about ugly pets. Yeah, do you know what? I've got some great answers coming up here because there are some pets, of course, that, that you wouldn't want, to, uh, wouldn't want to own. I wouldn't want to own them. Other people as well. I've been asking people about pets they wouldn't want to own because they are so ugly. And here's what people had to say. An ugly pet i would say is a pug dog why a pug they're gorgeous come on it's the squashed face <laughs> if your friend had a pug and she brought it around to your house or he or she brought it around to your house and said this is my new dog his name's billy don't you love him would you stand there and lie or would you say i'm sorry but he's ugly um i'll probably lie <laughs> uh the hairless cats but they're completely hairless they're bald they're just wrinkly and horrible not cute though aren't they no they're ugly are they? Well, they've got no fur. You, that's what pets are for, stroking the pets. Steve, come on, name me an ugly pet. A chihuahua. What is wrong with a chihuahua? It's just ugly, <laughs> basically. I reckon a chihuahua might suit you, you know. Well, you could put that in your handbag, couldn't you? Could do or in the bin. <laughs> a hippopotamus. Who owns one of those? Do you know somebody who owns a hippo? Oh, yeah, the people who work in the zoo, they own it, don't they? Sir, this is a genuine question from the Ian Lee Breakfast Show. Do you like Ian? Yeah, I love him very much, mate. Fantastic. <laughs> Somebody's got to. I want to know, what do you think is the ugliest pet 
Is there a pet that you wouldn't want to own because they're so ugly? Snake or spider? Do you know anybody who owns a snake? No, and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Most bizarre question. Yeah, probably one of those ugly cats with no hair. Ah, the hairless cats again. Yeah, the ugly yeah, cat. The second person that said that. Yeah, it's probably the only one I can think about. Other pets aren't generally ugly, just dangerous or stupid, pointless. Reptiles. Reptiles and snakes. Why? What's that about weirdos? <laughs> I, I like her the way he's speaker. Uh, the, the, that lad made a good point. Pets are for stroking. They are. They are for stroking. They reduce your blood pressure and lower your heart rate. That's what they're for. Therapeutic. Can we find anybody this morning who's got one of these hairless cats? Oh, I they are disgusting. They, I believe they cost a lot of money. But then again, it's not about how they look. It's about the personality. We think the same about you, Ian. You know, not exactly great to look at, but you've got a great personality. A bit like a pet, you know? <clears throat> well, I'm joined now by Susie Gillett from uh, Amy Zoo, an exo- exotic pet shop in Bovington. Good morning, Susie. Good morning. Is there such a thing as an ugly pet? No, not at all. Really? <laughs> what about those hairless cats? Um, you know, that's one of the animals I don't keep, um, but good. I can appreciate their beauty. Oh. They're beautiful. Pe- so pets, they are lovely. Pet, that, that lad, I thought, made a good point. Pets are for stroking, aren't they? They are. There is a therapeutic side behind pets. I can understand and appreciate that. Um, I think there's also just, you know, um, obviously with, with me, I'm going to be very biased here, keeping snakes and uh, spiders and things. And I'm not oh, a weirdo. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll decide at the end of this conversation. Ah. I, I hate spiders. Okay. They're funny eyes and they're big, hairy legs. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, I think it's more a fascination rather than having a pet as such when you keep those type of animals. Um, but they are fantastic pets. But again, I'm very biased. So, so what, what kind of other... It's an exotic pet shop. What does exotic mean? Um, it obviously means uh, unusual, not your everyday cats and dogs or hamsters. Um, but unusual for us usually means reptiles, amphibians, and of course, as I said, the tarantulas. Or even cockroaches. Oh, you cockroaches are as pets. <laughs> you are now. You are weird. No, nobody <laughs> has a cockroach as a pet. They do, and they are popular. They're fa- again really fascinating, really fantastic. Um, usually, it's like the Madagascar keeping cockroaches, and they are just you know just fantastic, really. Well, oh, I've got shivers down my spine. What pleasure do you get out of having a? This is my co- cockroach. It's called Fido, and uh, look, it doesn't do any tricks or anything. Oh, but he hisses. If you get hissing cockroach, that's superb. <laughs> oh, well, suddenly, I'm a little bit more interested. What's this about giant bullfrog? Oh, giant bullfrogs as well. Yeah, again, with the amphibians, they're fascinating, fantastic pets. Um, And, you know, we do actually sort of um, keep the giant African bullfrogs, which start out very tiny, um, but do end end up very Well, I'd never heard of a giant bullfrog, and I've just Googled them. Aren't they gorgeous? um, (laughs) They are massive. They are very big, absolutely. They're the size of uh, of a human's head. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. And how much do they go for? Um, well, usually, again, if they start out, they do start out tiny, so just a bit bigger than a 50 pence piece. Um, usually about 50 pounds to start with. But again, it's an animal that you're going to have for 10 to 15 plus years, and it does get to a huge size. So, and they're, again, just really fantastic. And they do have, believe it or not, characters. Maybe not so much the bullfrogs, oh. they tend to sit in one place. Yeah. But with the other frogs, they, they, they have characters, they can be great. But you can't stroke them um, like you would a cat or a dog. This make it, it's making uh, my grey rabbit and my black moggy look a little bit tame in comparison. <laughs> Why did you get into this, Susie? Why do you like these weird animals so much? Um, I think it's really sort of one of fascination. And also, I'm, I'm so upset with these animals that they have this negative stigma that they don't deserve. Um, so really, I'm here to sort of defend them and, and basically show you or promote their beauty that they have that people don't really appreciate. So from a young age, I've always had fascinations as a kid with all the, crit- the critters in the garden, the slugs, the snails, all the things that people didn't like. 
I loved, um, which has continued throughout my whole life. And yes, I do keep these sort of things at my house. Um, but it's just it's just a fascination, and they are amazing animals. What's what's your favourite? You got a, the, the the shops on fire? It's not. Don't panic. <laughs> the shops on fire. You've only got time to save one. Which one are you going to grab? I sorry, it's a really horrific image to put into your mind. I do apologise. <laughs> well, I'm going to run the shop now. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I've got enough you know, snakes there. My own personal collections. Um, oh. I'm going to do my best to save everything. <laughs> oh, you, Susie, you, you, cop you out cop out. Answer. You are a cop out. Uh, but listen, thank you. I appreciate your time. Susie Gillett from uh, Amy Zoo. It's an exotic pet shop in Bovingdon. My friend's little boy has got stick insects. What kind of fun is that going to be for a six-year-old lad? Stick insects? I don't get these things at all. No, 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 no. Have you got an ugly pet? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. What's wrong with just having a plain old cat or a little um, uh, a little dog? Whether a cocker spaniel that's as big as a dog I would get. I wouldn't get any bigger than that running around like lunatics. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's also the number to call if you want to um, have your say about wind turbines. We are talking about wind turbines this morning. As uh, it looks like one is possibly going to be built. Um, somewhere in Milton Keynes. People always get very upset about wind turbines and I don't quite understand what the problem is. I think they're quite stunning. Well, if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, you'll see a short video that uh, Craig, uh, our reporter, Craig Lewis, made. One of the arguments against wind turbines is the noise that they make. The noise. Well, he's been and filmed it, and there's not much noise. We spoke to a gentleman campaigning against this wind turbine. He brought up the arguments of noise, then admitted he'd been to see many wind turbines, or he'd seen wind turbines many times, and he'd never actually heard the noise himself, but he'd read about it on the internet. On the Facebook page, some of you have commented, Alison, wind turbines are elegant structures which complement the countryside. The alternative is far worse. Cooling towers everywhere, or a nice nuclear power station... Karina, I love wind turbines. I don't understand why people get so worked up about them. I'd have one in my back garden if I had the space. And April says, I also love wind turbines and would gladly have one in my back garden. I'm trying to see if I can find one that says they don't like wind turbines. Um, no, not yet. Last one, Michael says, so we fight for years to have power pylons removed. And Ah, here we go. And these ineffective ways of not producing power pop up everywhere. Offshore fields produce real power. The inline, inland turbines are just gaining the government subsidies. So that's one out of about 12. What do you think? 08459 555. It's uh, 7.46. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 London bound, there's an accident, a single vehicle involved in this. Junction 4 at High Wycombe through to 3 at Loudwater. It's a car that's gone off the road. No delays or obstructions, but they may have to put a restriction in later so that they can recover it. If you're heading further in toward London, the A40 is looking quite busy this morning. There is a lane blocked, and this is the Swakeley's roundabout. It's between there and Long Lane, with congestion back to the end of the M40 at the Denham roundabout. The M1 southbound, heavy traffic from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at Redbourne. The A5 through Dunstable looking slow this morning between the two A505 junctions. A1M is slow as you go past Stevenage Junction 8 and 7, and into London through Boreham Wood from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. Queues on the M25 anti-clockwise into the roadworks, through the works looking busy as well, then from the M1 to Watford and Maple Cross to the M4, Junction 17 to 15 looking busy. If you're travelling by train or by tube, your journey...
journey should look a little better because there's no trouble on the departure boards. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 7.47, it's Thursday the 12th of September. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People in Castlethorpe who are against plans to build a wind turbine say it'll cause too much noise, though the local council thinks it's a good idea. Children should start school at six or seven, that's according to a group of education experts. And in sport, the body that organises rugby's Heineken Cup says the tournament can still be saved, despite English and French clubs insisting they're quitting. Coming up, when do you think children should start formal lessons. According to The Telegraph this morning, it's not until they're six or seven. We'll be talking to Dennis O'Sullivan, the head teacher of Chauncey School in Ware, but before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. There are a few outbreaks of drizzle this morning, just falling from the thickness in the cloud, but otherwise it is going to be a mostly dry day. It's a milder start to the day, but it is a very grey and a murky one. We've got some uh, hill fog over the Chilterns and lots of low cloud, a few mist patches as well. So terribly inspiring start to the day, but at least we are looking at a mostly dry day, as I said, and it's feeling a touch milder than it has done in recent days too. A bit more humid as well. Temperatures up to 17 or 18 degrees. Celsius 64 in Fahrenheit by the time we get to the afternoon. We might just see it brighten up for a time uh, but sunshine in very short supply indeed. We are going to see a lot of cloud. Overnight tonight, well for the evening, it should be mostly dry, fairly quiet ride home I suspect and then uh, through the early hours of tomorrow morning eventually we'll start to see some outbreaks of light patchy rain spreading from the west and that rain's going to stick around into tomorrow morning. A mild night to come, temperatures down to 14 or 15 degrees Celsius. There'll be outbreaks of patchy light rain on and off particularly towards southern areas of the three counties uh, through the course of the day tomorrow and some more wet and windy weather really turning quite wild and windy by the time we get to Sunday. That's the forecast. Thank you Elizabeth. On Friday night there's an extra three county sport. Luton are in conference action away to Wrexham, hoping to consign the hosts to their fourth straight defeat. By building on Saturday's performance. The only thing we're disappointed about is we haven't scored the goal that wins the game. We have people that can score, I know that we do. If we keep doing that, then I think the rest will follow. Wrexham versus Luton, Friday night from seven in three county sports. Now back to the uh, item we tried to start about 20 minutes ago, but we were... Technology defeated us. Teacher shortages could lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic. Dr Jenny Gilbert from the University of Bedfordshire says the east of England is most at risk because of the lack of trained teachers in the region. Well, fingers crossed, we're joined by Dennis O'Sullivan, the head teacher of Chauncey School in Ware. Dennis, are you there, sir? I am indeed. Ah, we can hear you. Good. It's, it's an important thing and we wanted to make sure we could uh, make out what you were saying. The te- Teaching profession, particularly primary school teaching, is, is that in crisis? No, I don't think it is, but I think it could be forced into crisis. In what way? Well, we have a rising birth rate, and uh, I would think the inner cities are going to suffer more than uh, hearts and beds and bucks. A rising birth rate, yet we've cut places at universities to train teachers, and we've cut the training scheme that, where we could train teachers in schools. So that, that seems to be counterintuitive. We've also got an obsession with tests and targets and sitting behind desks and five-year-olds have got targets to meet in science, maths and English, which perhaps will dissuade the brightest, most enthusiastic, inspiring teachers from, from coming into the profession. So I think we're in danger of getting lost, and it's been led from the centre. 
uh, and we've got to fight it and make sure that what goes on in schools attracts young teachers. Well, what, what can you do to attract these young teachers, Dennis? Because it's not paid particularly well. Teachers get a bad rap. So how are you going to make it, uh, you know, appear interesting and attractive for them? You know, when I show young people around, or, or any age people, that are thinking of coming out of industry and being a teacher, within a day in the school, they know whether they want to do it. And they all want to do it. Because it's exciting. It's a place where we can be passionate it's a place where we can inspire young people to learn about themselves and the world and their place in it and how to change it. Get them into schools, let them see what's going on, and then they'll sign up. One of the... I, I looked about uh, five years ago, I looked very seriously at jacking this nonsense in and becoming a primary school teacher, very, very close to it. Right. Um, and, and one of the problems that I... The head teachers that I was speaking to was saying... I mean, they were welcoming me, me with open arms because I'm a bloke, and there are very few blokes that become primary school teachers. Why is that? Well, I don't know. I mean... How, people have all these prejudices about men in girls' schools and men in primary schools. I think also men have got... We've got a little bit more of a problem with our self-image than women. We see ourselves more as experts, I guess, who teach exam classes rather than play with young children learning through play. I guess it's a lot to do with how men consider it, mm. which is wrong, because if you're a man in primary schools, your promotion route is very rapid. Ooh. So you could have been a head teacher. Now. And also, I, I can't think of anything better than teaching five, six, seven-year-olds. I don't want to teach a bunch of stroppy 15-year-olds. Well, you know, you've got another story about kids not starting school till they're six or seven, like they do in Finland. At age five, we've got targets on science, maths and English. At age five, children should be learning how to play, how to play with each other, how to communicate, how to communicate with adults wouldn't you love being involved in that don't, don't, don't try and start tempting me dennis i've got a mortgage now listen you're right you, the, the front page of the telegraph is start schooling at the age of seven formal schooling should be delayed until the age of six or seven because early education is causing profound damage to children that's uh, according to 130 experts what's your reaction to that dennis well there's a lot of experts around aren't there yeah <laughs> uh if you are testing children with pen and paper sat in desks at age five which we are now being told to do apart from having a pass fail thing and a five-year-old could possibly be a failure what we need them to do is to learn how to learn and how to communicate and social skills my both my daughters went to nurseries absolutely wonderful but they didn't sit behind desks writing down theorems and doing endless sums they played together they played on equipment they played with paint they played with wood they counted by using other things around them to count rather than rote learning. Mm. Uh, yeah, it could be really, really exciting being a teacher, and I love it, but, you know, <laughs> we've got to attract the brightest young people into the profession. It won't be money, it won't be promotion. Mm. It will be that what you're doing makes a difference, but it's great fun. Dennis, listen, I, I promise you, when the wheels fall off this gravy train and every day I'm, I'm broadcasting, it's getting closer to it happening, uh, the, the next career, I'm going to come and become a primary school teacher. OK, come and see me and I'll help you because we can help train you now. Fantastic, Dennis O'Sullivan. I'm, I'm in, seriously. That's the plan. When this nonsense comes to an end, which it will do, someone's going to get wise. A few of you listeners have got wise already, according to your Facebook comments. Someone's going to get wise and going, hang on, why do we keep giving this guy work? As soon as that happens, I shall uh, shake their hand, salute them, say thank you very much for the good times. And then I'm going to go and be become a primary school teacher about four years ago. So close to doing it. So close. I had the application forms and everything. One day, one day. On the subject of wind turbines, Helen's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Helen. Morning. They're beautiful, magnificent structures. We should have them up everywhere, shouldn't we? Yes. Thanks very much for calling. <laughs> no. No, no. No, go on. 
Uh, I had an old uh, elderly aunt. She's, unfortunately, she's passed away now, but she used to live in Cornwall. Oh, yes. And um, they had uh, loads of term, wind turbines down there. And she loved them. She literally did. And she came to stay with us. Um, and that and we got her to stay with us. She only stayed the w- four days. And it wasn't because we were unsociable or anything. It was because she couldn't hear the humming of the wind turbines oh. at night to sleep. Oh, so that so that she did pick up a gentle humming, and that was what would send her off to sleep. Yes, she wonderful. Got, um, um, you know, and she said it was nothing. You know, we even changed bedrooms with her, and she said, "No, no, 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 I've got to go home. I can't sleep. It's it was just a gentle hum, and it relaxed her, and she went to sleep. But it always depended on the wind. If the wind was really rough, the higher the wind, the noise got. Yeah. But she she relied on them so much. As I say, she went home. So we, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I think they're majestic things. And loads of people say, oh no, the noise is awful. It's too much. But your auntie, bless her soul, she yes. needed it to help send her off. Yes, it was it relaxed her. And um, well, at first when she first got it put in, to be honest, she doubted it. Yeah. You know, she questioned it. But once it got in there, she didn't notice it was there, the noise or anything. Uh, but at night, it calmed her down. She lived on her own in a little cottage, yeah. and that was it. But as soon as she came to stay with us for the week, she just could not settle. And the reason was yeah. that she couldn't hear the you, you know what you should have done, Helen? What was that? You should have, when she'd gone to bed, you should have sat down next to her and gone... Vroom, 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 vroom. <laughs> yeah. Just done that until she fell asleep. That would have helped. Yeah, probably. Helen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. The wind farm backlash backlash has begun. We've not had anybody call in who's gone, oh, I hate them. Oh, I hate them. There's one near me. We had to move. It looked awful. It sounded awful. Or that, that, that when I drive up the M1 and I see that wind farm on the left, oh, it just, it, it, it's disgusting. 08459 455 555. Ian in Luton, what do you think? You a fan of the wind farm? I, I don't see what the problem is. I really don't. I have a, a, a good friend in Germany that I visit. Um, the town city where they live in North Germany is surrounded by wind turbines. Um, their energy policy is, is right. They burn their own rubbish as well. They're virtually self-sufficient for electricity. I don't see what the problem is. We, we seem to be so backward in this country. Well, the arguments we've heard this morning, Ian, from the anti-wind farm campaigners is they are noisy, they are too big, they are unattractive, and they will make uh, areas uninhabitable. So that big dome that they recently built in Milton Keynes, which you can see for miles around, is, is, is not, you know, attractive. It's flipping ugly. You know, I, I understand where these people are coming from, and wind farms can be unsightly, and they do need to be... Uh, governed, you know, as to how many you can have and where they're, they're sighted. But in principle, what's wrong with a wind turbine? We used to have windmills dotted around all over the country. No one moaned about windmills. It's no different. Ian, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have the wind turbines turned? People with a different opinion are coming forward. Can we find anybody who's anti-wind turbine? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M1 northbound, two lanes are blocked. It is queuing because of an accident. This is three cars and a van involved, we believe. We've had a few calls on this. Literally just a moment ago, John called us. He said it's looking pretty stationary. It's from Junction 12 at Flittick up to 13 at Bedford. With lanes two and three blocked off. And traffic is very, very slow. Michael called us about that one as well. So thank you to both of you. Looking at the M40 and London bound, there's an accident. Single vehicle involved in this one. It's off the road between High Wycombe and Loudwater. They might have to close the lane to recover it later, though. A40 into London, severe delays this morning, all the way down to Gypsy Corner from the Denham Roundabout. So that's well over an hour of traffic after an accident earlier this morning and some roadworks further down. It's also looking busy on the A1M as you go past Stevenage, the A1 through Boreham Wood, the M25 heavy in the usual spots into the roadworks and round Kings Langley. We've got a lane blocked anti-clockwise. This is an accident just after Junction 20 in lane 4, right next to the traffic that's joining from Junction 20, adding to the delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So, wind turbines, what's your beef? We'll talk more after the news with Serena Farrow. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines: Wind turbine will be too noisy for Buckinghamshire. Desperate need for teachers across the three counties. A Royal Mail to be privatised. BBC Three Counties Radio. A wind turbine in Buckinghamshire will cause too much noise. That's the reason why people living in Castlethorpe are against plans to build one there. It is in an area that's very sensitive from a ecological point of view. Milton Keynes Council's officers requested that a proper ecological survey should be done of possible problems to bats and birds. Mm. The applicant hasn't actually conducted that survey, and yet the council committee ignored that. Leo Dunwoody there from a local action group. Now, it's set to be almost 100 metres high, set at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe, but still needs to be approved by planning inspectors. Well, Andrew Geary is the councillor for the area and also the leader of Milton Keynes Council, who are all for it, albeit with an alteration or two. The green energy part of it, I do think, is, is, is useful, but let's do it on the right size and the right scale. It is possible for a turbine of two-thirds of that height to actually achieve everything that the applicant wants it to do. The reason this is being done is purely because it ticks boxes to get, that this size ticks extra boxes to get extra government subsidy. That isn't right. Now on the day we're hearing education experts want children to start school at six or seven rather than four. Teacher shortages in the east of England may lead to children leaving primary school unable to read. That's according to a leading Bedfordshire academic, Dr Jenny Gilbert. She says here is most at risk because of the lack of trained teachers. Dennis O'Sullivan is the head teacher of Chauncey School in Ware. He explains the reasons why he thinks there's a shortage. We've also got an obsession with tests and targets and sitting behind desks and five-year-olds have got targets to meet in science, maths and English, which perhaps will dissuade the brightest, most enthusiastic, inspiring teachers from, from coming into the profession. Now, in the past hour, the government's confirmed it's to privatise Royal Mail in the coming weeks. It's not decided exactly how much of the 250-year-old service it will sell, but has said it'll be the majority. Employees will be given 10% of the shares, with the rest being offered to institutional investors. And the Communication Workers' Union opposes the float and is about to ballot its members for strike action. 
A man from Bedford who sexually abused three children over 20 years will be sentenced today. 40-year-old Jason Manning was found guilty of rape and indecent assault. He's already been told he may be jailed indefinitely. Football then, the price of watching it has fallen. That's according to a local study. It's found ticket prices across the top four flights of English football have actually dropped up to 2.4% this year. Well, Accrington Stanley have the cheapest day out. Peter Marsden's their chairman. With us, it's all about a different experience. But, you know, we need to price it to get people away from Man United and Blackburn and Burnley and Bolton and Preston and all the other clubs. So we, we do it that way. Well, it's the warmest it's been all week. 20 degrees Celsius, you're high. Feeling bright this afternoon as well. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Serena. Three minutes past eight. It's Thursday. That means tomorrow is Friday. That means it's Friday the 13th. It's the last day of Big Brother. And then it's the weekend. What? Wowzers. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS at nine o'clock, including as residents in Lodge Farm get a step closer to having a wind turbine near them, I'm asking why do people have such a problem with wind turbines? They're magnificent things, aren't they? They provide energy, they're beautiful, majestic. Put one in my back garden, please. Children in beds, hearts and bucks may soon be leaving schools unable to read. Well, this news comes on the day a group of experts call for children to not start formal lessons in school until seven years of age. What's going on with our schools? And what annoys you about the way people use their mobile phones? Is it someone sending an email while they're in a meeting? Texting while they're having lunch? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text as well if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or, and there's lots of you doing this at the moment, which is fantastic. You can give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Now, this morning we're talking about wind turbines. Milton Keynes Council have approved one at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe, despite the fact that hundreds of residents, five parish councils and even its own officers don't want it there. Well, the proposed turbine at Lodge Farm near Castlethorpe will still have to be approved by the government's planning inspectors, but Castlethorpe Parish Council and Villagers will have to fight that battle without the backing of MK Council. Well, I'm joined now by Mark Scheiman, Green Party spokesman for Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Good morning, Mark. Thank Good you morning. for joining me. We'll come to you in a second. I want to first of all go to uh, the chairman of Castlethorpe Parish Council, is on the line, Philip Ailes. Philip, what, what's the problem with wind turbines? I don't think there uh, is a particular problem with wind turbines. I mean, I personally think that um, they look uh, very elegant and peaceful at a distance. The problem arises when they're put too close to houses. 450 metres from the nearest two houses, then I think, was it 950 metres from another 50? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Is that too close? It's the ones that are uh, close, the 450, um, that uh, are the ones that we're most concerned about. I mean, what you've got to remember, I mean, I, I think when you look at wind turbines, um, you know, on the horizon and they're gently turning around and they're very elegant, they're very peaceful and all the rest of it. Yes. But um, when they're, uh, you know, the, the, the main landmark in our area is, is Hanslope Church Spire. Mm. 
this turbine is going to be twice the height of that. Okay. An electricity pylon um, is about 34 metres, I think, tall. This is going to be three times. So when people say they'd have one in their back garden, you know, I don't think they'd really want three wind, uh, three electricity pylons. What's the problem with the two houses? Sorry, you mentioned that and then went off on, on another oh, they're, thing. They're very close. Uh, at 450 metres, that is, that is very... The, 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 the wind turbine will really quite overwhelm uh, their, 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 their outlook. Are you concerned about noise? Uh, there have been, there can be noise problems. They're, they're very highly localised. Um, you can read reports which uh, give uh, some really quite severe situations with health problems and others. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally uh, go for noise as the the major reason on this one. Though it probably will be a factor. Well, it's, uh, the reason I mention that is we we did speak to um, I think it was uh, it was Leo Dunwoody from Care yes. for Castlethorpe, and he was very concerned about noise, despite him having seen many uh, wind turbines and having actually heard nothing himself. Mark, you've given me some statistics here. I've not had a chance to look at them. What is the fact on the noise levels? The noise level is that between a distance of two meters and a hundred meters, it's going to produce. 40 decibels between zero metres and 100 metres at full wind power is going to produce 45 decibels. What does that mean in real terms? the noise of a stream or the noise in your kitchen of a fridge. That is hardly ear splitting. The the, the home's 450 metres away from the the, the wind turbine. What what, what will they hear? Well they're going to hear virtually negligible because the amount of noise degrades in a equally steep curve the further you go away from it now I, i'm assuming from the, the green party you're obviously quite pro wind turbines as a, a, a you know a reusable a re- a source of energy why are some people so against them do you think i think it's purely nimbyism and the value of the property and the effect that it might have on the value of that property uh Wind farms are fully approved by the RSPB, um, who believe that they are not a hazard to birds. And really, future generations, the children of these people in Castleford, will breathe a sigh of relief when this planning application goes through, because in future years, the spiralling high energy costs will be countered by the low costs of wind generation that produces very little carbon. It, it takes only six months to to cover the carbon that it costs to build. So it is so fantastically good I'm, I'm looking away i'm sorry to be rude i'm, I'm trying to find something on uh, the facebook page that someone has, uh, has posted ah but russell has posted uh, uh the man who said they don't kill bats and birds a survey in spain by the conservation group seo bird life estimated uh that um 110 to 300 birds are killed per turbine per year yes but the Milton Keynes environmental officer has said that this is not on the migration route of any birds and that he doubts it's going to be a problem. Philip, is well, Ian, if, if that's the case, yeah. you know, why haven't they done an ecological survey to do that? The reason that this is going to appeal is because the applicant refused to do an ecological survey and therefore Milton Keynes Council refused to make a decision on it. And it was only when it went to... Uh, Uh, appeal for the planning inspector that Milton Keynes Council decided they'd do it. If it's not going to do any harm to the birds, why didn't they do the survey? Is this, uh, uh, Philip, as as Mark was just saying, is this a case of nimbyism? 
No, I mean, as I heard uh, Andrew Geary's piece earlier, uh, the fact is that the parish council said, why don't you either try relocating it a little bit uh, further away from those houses or alternatively put a a rather smaller one uh, in the same site? And the applicant uh, declined to do that. So it's not NIMBYism. We'd have been quite happy with something, but just of an appropriate size. The the problem is you need, in order to build it, you need to have vehicle access to it so the further away you put it you then have to put road structures however temporary in to try and gain access to that land this site has good access to roads a single flatbed lorry will be able to bring it in and therefore there will be no problems to the residents of your area and it'd have been even less problems if it was a slightly smaller one I mean, uh, there are just alternatives, and uh, this one is being driven um, really because uh, of the very large financial returns um, that it's going to uh, that it's going to drive. So, Philip, if, uh, if the company comes back and says, "Okay, listen, we've listened to your concerns. We're not going to build a huge one. We're going to build a slightly smaller one, but in the same place," would you be happy with that? Uh, depending on what you mean by slightly smaller, well, that was yeah, I'm using yeah, your yeah, phrase. Yeah, yeah, you'd be happier yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what Andrew Geary said in his, uh, his response as well. Mm. But the smaller you build it, the less efficient it is, and it's at that efficiency that we need and future generations are going to need. Well, of course, but then you've also got to have a balance between the national need and the uh, people who are actually living right next to it. As I said, you know, who would really want uh, a structure the size of three electricity pylons, the top one of which is rotating, at the bottom of their garden? Mark, Not you, did, people, you did make a good point that, that, that it might affect people's uh, property prices. And people are right to be upset by that. If they've yes. spent their life paying off their mortgage and they've got a lovely house and it's worth, you know, X hundred thousand pounds on the market uh, and a big, great... Uh, the wind turbine comes along and knocks off 50 grand or whatever yes people are right to be upset by something like that aren't they yes they are but as the parish council is plainly aware the value of property is not a legitimate planning concern and cannot be taken into account so other things need to mask people's uh, cover that issue in a different way is, is, is the, the, the campaign against it a, a smokescreen to, to, for people who are upset at the, the drop in their property prices, Philip? No, it's, the, it's, the, it's really the loss of amenity, um, uh, particularly of those two houses, and there are about another three which are, uh, are, are fairly close as well. Um, the, 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 there certainly would be uh, a, a loss in uh, price, and I think that's a legitimate point. But uh, as, the, as the Green Party pointed out, that's not a, pl- a ground for objection. Um, the, 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 the thing that's <laughs> very worrying about this case um, is that uh, there were a number of grounds for objection uh, that were laid out before the planning committee um, and uh, they're meant to follow those planning policies um, and instead, bizarrely, uh, four members um, uh, decided that they were going to approve it despite the reports in front of them. What happens next, Philip? How, where does this campaign go? Um, well, this will now be heard by uh, the planning inspectorate, who are based out of Bristol, um, and the papers are being um, sent, uh, sent down to them, and we will be... Uh, we have a parish council meeting this evening, um, and we will be um, uh, sending a letter to the planning inspector 
um, to uh, put the parish council's views and explain why we think that the uh, decision of the planning committee was actually flawed. Mark, people are very passionate about this, and I, I think it is easy to understand why. And perhaps I've been a little bit harsh on them this morning, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the nub of their argument. You can understand why people are, are, are passionate about having uh, their scenery, as they say. I mean, I think wind farms are beautiful, but they perceive it as having their scenery ruined. And you can understand why people will be upset by that. I can understand, but I think in years to come, we will see the beauty of wind turbines, and that'll be something that'll be accepted by all because they new now Mm. something new is always viewed in a different way and i'm sure by designing the the turbines to have different colors and things like that they can be seen as a thing of beauty you'll forgive me if i don't wish them too much luck in their appeal because i believe the overall concern is much more important gentlemen thank you very much we have to end it there that was uh, mark shyman a green party spokesman for beds hearts and bucks and uh, philip ailes the chairman of Castlethorpe parish council 08459 455 555 it's a quarter past eight BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still big problems on the M1. Northbound two lanes are blocked. It's an accident with three cars and a van involved between Flittick and Bedford. Junctions 12 and 13. Lanes 2 and 3 of the motorway are the ones that are blocked off. Traffic having to sneak past in lane 1 and it is very slow. Southbound is queuing as well as people slow to have a look so expect delays. Same stretch junction 13 to 12 and then as you continue southbound it's also heavy in the usual area from junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at Redbourne. Now on the M40 London there was an accident with a single vehicle involved between High Wycombe and Loudwater junctions 4 and 3. It's a car that went off the road. No obstructions for the minute, but they may have to put a restriction in to recover it later. If you're making the journey to London, expect delays on the A40. There's a lane closed off all the way down at Gypsy Corner, but it's causing delays of over an hour and a half back to the end of the M40 at the Denham Roundabout. The A1M southbound slow moving past Stevenage. The A1 is heavy as you go through Boreham Wood. The A5 in Dunstable looking busy still around the A505 junctions. On the M25 clockwise queues into the roadworks, anti-clockwise heavy traffic into the works as well, past Potter's Bar. And as you continue round, we have an accident. It's on the hard shoulder now. This is Junction 20, Kings Langley. The congestion back to the M1. Good news is, of course, now that's on the hard shoulder, at least all lanes have reopened. But as you go past it, you're going to find queues and delays from Chorleywood to the M40 as well this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 8.17, it's Thursday the 12th of September. My name is Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Green Party for Beds, Hearts and Bucks says it's a case of nimbyism as people in Castlethorpe fight against plans to build a wind turbine in the area. The Communication Workers' Union is about to ballot its members for strike action because the government has decided to privatise Royal Mail. In sport, the body that organises rugby's Heineken Cup says the tournament can still be saved despite English and French clubs insisting they're quitting. And the weather today, mist and fog around, but feeling brighter this afternoon with a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. Coming up, annoying phone habits. We all have one, don't we? Texting the wife in work meetings. Well, we'll be speaking to etiquette expert. Oh, William Hanson. Oh, dear. BBC Three Counties Radio. Alive with music on the BBC. The sound of horror. 
the sound of drama. The sound of glory. A new season of programmes on TV, radio and online celebrates the sound of cinema. Starting tonight at nine on BBC Four. OK, don't come in and... Uh... Come in and be rude. It's <laughs> so rude. What's wrong? Well, at least I rude to your face. What's wrong with this? I just think your shirt's a bit big. It's more. <laughs> having a little toe. <laughs> it's, it's more like a blouse. Like a blouse, you muppet. <laughs> it is. It's like it's lovely. Oh, that's better. That's much. You're putting your jacket on now as well, so I get the full look. It's very white. I've said this to you before. Use. So, oh, that's nice. This is a brand new shirt, never before worn. It's a virgin shirt. That's lovely. Now, what's wrong with that? There's there's men outside Luton Magistrates Court looking just like that now. <laughs> I nearly swore then. I nearly swore. Did you? I nearly swore out of the rudeness. Ah, yeah. uh, sorry. Anyway, well, you, you know, could have ironed. <laughs> Could have ironed. What do you talk about? Could have ironed. What's that? Oh yes, actually, this is a little creased. <laughs> Sorry, um, Jonathan Vernon Smith. It's very, very nice to see you. Let's find out what's on your show today, shall we? Okay. Right. The atmosphere's got a little bit cold and tense. Say, look at you moving me on. Let's, let's just find out what's on your show. Got lots good to crack on with. Coming up on the big phone in this morning. Do the over sixties have a moral duty to downsize? Older people who want to downsize should be given more help and encouragement to free up houses for younger families. That's according to a new Demos poll, which shows that the majority of over 60s would like to downsize if they could. The Home Builders Federation say that people over 60 own around 1.28 trillion in housing stock and they argue that more retirement homes are needed so families can move up the housing ladder well from nine this morning i want your views do the over 60s have a moral duty to downsize oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is my number i'd love to hear from you on the big phone in i was i was standing up and modeling my shirt while you were doing that i i noticed you were i was but trying look, to ignore you is it really too big what the shirt yeah it's 16 and a half i'm 16 and a half no no that's it you see that's too big I'm 16 and a half. No, no, no. That, that, when you do a shirt up, it should be nice and tight to your Adam's 16, apple. 16 is too tight. I'm like 16 and a quarter. Are you? I need to get... What are those things called? Bespoke shirts, mate. Oh, uh, they're expensive. What are those things called? Because the, the sleeves are a bit too long. That hold up the... Don't laugh! Oh, I know. Those, like, metal, r- metal elastic things. band yes. things. Yes, what are they called? I don't know. I've got some. I've lost them. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> So You're cheeky. making me laugh. I would never, would never get you in here and laugh at you. You do every time no, I come never. in. You pick me up if my jumper's got any bobbles on it. I would never get you in here and laugh at you. <laughs> do you want to hear something funny? Oh, God. That's my whistle. I can tell, lad. It's a good whistle. This is Jonathan Vernon Smith whistling. I have got a lovely whistle. There you go. You start freestyling in a second. Hmm? Yeah. You can never take the musical talent away from someone. <laughs> I'm like the Roger Whittaker of 2013. <laughs> we, oh. <laughs> we didn't. We decided not to play the clip of you singing along to ABBA. 
Oh. We enjoyed your whistling. We've been enjoying your whistling. It's it's like a bootleg tape that's been passed around the office. Have you heard JVS doing a whistle? Have you heard JVS doing a whistle? Really? It's, 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 uh, it's wonderful. I'm rather proud of that whistle. I think it's lovely. It's a good whistle. Yeah. So we were thinking we'd run a little competition today. No prizes with the BBC. We're not allowed to. Oh, okay. We'd like you now to whistle a tune. Oh. And my colleague... Uh, Justin Daly, that's the gentleman out there. He's going to go out to the people of Beds, Hearts and Bucks and see if they can identify the tune. Jo- Justin, come in here. You're going to record it on there. We're okay. going to see if they can. Can this be anything? I mean. Well, it's something that people might know, I guess. So t- 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 but t- give it your best whistle. So, something, do you want something about how hard do you want? Because I could do something quite easy. Or I could do something quite do you want, complex. Do you, want, um, do you want JVS to be hard, or do you want um, it to, him to be easy? C- can it be soft, and can you keep it sharp, and can it be a big hit as well? Sharp, okay, okay, fine, I know what hit. I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Here okay. we go. Right, ready? Hang on. No, just wet my lips. What do you do to... Well, a bit can awkward. We, can we get... Can we get a picture of Jonathan whistling? Why? Why? You look like a guppy. You're, do the whistle to... Hey, hang on. You want my whistling face? Look at the size of your lips. I have got big lips. Look all big. You can stick me to a window. <laughs> you turn into Mick Jagger. Hang on. Okay, we're gonna, you just do the, do the whistle. <laughs> Stop it, you can't whistle if you're laughing. This is, this is, this is a Sony award-winning broadcaster. <laughs> I'll be with you in a second, What's William. Hang on. Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it? No. Oh, well, hurry up, for goodness sake. <laughs> Done. Those lips are massive. Say hello to it, William. Morning, William. Good morning. You're cutting into my airtime here, whistling on. <laughs> Probably best to go then. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> we will send out Justin Dealey now to see if you can identify identify that whistle. Now, I do apologise. The reason we have got uh, William on is because of, well, t- telephone etiquette. There is a survey out that shows what annoys us about people using their telephones. And it's things like checking emails while uh, they're in a meeting. It's having lunch with someone and texting. It's having, but it, it, What is the etiquette around mobile phones, William? Well, the fact is, if if you are going to be talking to somebody face-to-face, you put your mobile phone away. You concentrate on the human rather than the gadget. And I think a, a lot of the problems that we have today in society is that we, a lot of people are insecure in social situations, and so they feel the need to take out their mobile phone when they are feeling a little bit un- insecure and they don't quite know what to do because they don't have the social skills because these things aren't taught, and they sort of hide behind their screens... Do you think they know how rude they're being? Um, no, I don't think they do. I don't, I don't think that many people actually decide I'm going to be as rude as possible to everybody. I just think they don't think. They don't exercise common sense. When should we... Def- I was at a funeral recently. People were on their phones in the funeral! Oh, oh, that's so disrespectful. And, um, and also, I... when, when you go to concerts, but instead of people watching the concerts, they're all holding up their phones to film the concert. Oh, I know, and they're not actually enjoying the concert there in the moment, um, and they're, they're worrying too much about filming it, mm. and actually they're, they're not enjoying it in the moment, which is, you know, they paid all that money to go and see it. They're complete wallies, really, doing that. <laughs> um, so, yes, you just need to exercise common sense, but sadly common sense is not that common anymore. I get annoyed at 
at home when I'll be having a dinner party and I, I'll just serve the osubuku and then all of a sudden the guests are on their phones. Yes. Yes. Wait, well, I'm trying to instigate in my house a no-phones-in-the-bedroom policy. It's right. 50% successful so far in as much as I won't have my phone in the bedroom. My wife insists on having her phone in the bedroom. Where, where do you stand on phones in bedrooms? Um, well, I mean, I, I, my, I use my phone as an alarm. So I, I have mine in my bedroom, but I don't generally want I'm in bed. That's a bit common, isn't it? How dare you call me common? No, it's, it's a very upmarket exclusive. No, no, surely, surely it'd be more upmarket to have a, a, a wonderful uh, digital radio alarm clock so you're woken by my dulcet tones. Instead, you've got your phone going... Oh, brrring, brrring. <laughs> what does my phone do again? He goes... Oh, brrring, brrring. Yes, well, no, I, I had an, uh, you know, a proper alarm clock, but it, it didn't work one day, and so I've, I don't believe in them now. I have to have something that is actually going to go <laughs> off. And also, you know, your dulcet tones wouldn't get me out of bed. It would send me back to sleep. Oh, dear. Well, on, on that rude note, I'm glad that we ate into your time, William. I'm going to have to say goodbye to you. <laughs> goodbye, Ian. Thank you very much, William Hanson, etiquette expert. Uh, Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. Ken, wind turbines. Yes. What you got? Convert them. Sorry? Two jobs. Yes. All right. Grind the wheat. Grind the wheat. That's right. Yeah. Two birds with one stone. Oh, I see. So, so ah, I see. So you make them multi-purpose full. <laughs> they, they grind the wheat and they generate the heat. And on top of that, you'll have nice fresh bread. Oh. Hey, can you remember the old nice fresh bread we used to get? Oh, I'm, well, I'm not from the 1930s like you, Ken, so no, but I do like nice... I, I used to work in a baker's, well, yeah. the, the bakery department of Safeway, uh, and I, I do like a nice fresh loaf. Oh, you could die for it, wouldn't you? Well... Well, we used to go down the co-op as soon as they'd made them yeah. at night, you know, and we used to go in there and me mum used to send us down to get a shilling to get a, a tin loaf. Yeah. After we'd be gone before we got home. Yeah, fresh bread, nothing. Fresh bread, get a nice knob of butter, maybe a bit of jam on there, beautiful. Oh, we couldn't afford jam. Oh. Yeah, so. Well. But talking about mobile phones. Oh, yes. Some bloke rang me up the other week. And he said, I've won a television set. Fantastic. Oh, I said, that's brilliant. He said, yeah. He said, have you got a phone? I said, no. He said, do you want one? I said, no. I said, just send the telly. Yeah. No, he said, you can't have the television without... I said, you just told me I've won a television. Yeah. So he kept on about this blooming phone. So I said, no, thank mate. I said, I have enough with a missus. No, no, I have a mobile phone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's... I see the bin men texting while he was collecting the bins. Yes. I thought, what? what's he going to do when he has to collect two next door to each other? Ken, I've literally got no idea what we're talking about now, so I'm going to say goodbye. Oh, all right, and then. Ta! Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Queues on the northbound M1 after the accident earlier. There were four vehicles involved in that between Junction 12, Flittick and 13, Bedford. They've moved things out of the way and it looks like the lanes are now reopened, but it's still really, really slow. Delays of about half an hour, traffic back to Junction 11 at the A505. The southbound side's queuing past where the accident was, so Junction 13 to 12. Heavy then from 11 to 9, the A505 
to the A5 at Redbourne. And as you go into London, southbound on the M1, there's an accident now on the hard shoulder at London Gateway Services. That's causing a delay back to Junction 4 at the A41. The A5 in Dunstable still looking busy between the A505 junctions. London-bound M40, an accident between High Wycombe and Loudwater. It's a car that's gone off the road, so it's not causing an obstruction, but they may have to close a lane for recovery. If you're going into London, expect big delays on the A40 this morning. Eastbound, there are severe delays. There's one lane closed off at Gypsy Corner, and there was an accident a bit earlier this morning as well. It's essentially causing about an hour and a half of traffic all the way from Acton through back out to the end of the M40 at the Denham Roundabout. A1M southbound slow past Stevenage. The A1 looking busy from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. Then the M25 clockwise queuing into the roadworks. So is the anti-clockwise side with delays back into Essex. We had the accident earlier, now on the hard shoulder at King's Langley, so expect delays past there. And a queue from Chorleywood through to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning with the headlines, I'm Serena Farrow. The Green Party for Beds, Hearts and Bucks says it's just a case of nimbyism as people in Castlethorpe fight against plans to build a wind turbine in the area. Now, a head teacher from Ware believes there's a lack of trained teachers in our region because of numerous tests and targets which he believes puts people off. An inquest into the death of a teenager from Bedfordshire who fell ill at the Reading Festival has been opened and adjourned. Esme Bloor Rimmer died on August Bank Holiday Monday. And older people who want to downsize should be given more help and encouragement to free up houses for younger families. Well, all that will be discussed on the JVS show from nine, where they'll be asking, do the over 60s have a moral duty to downsize? That's the news. Let's move on to the sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Football's getting cheaper to watch. That's according to the BBC's Price of Football study. It includes the prices of 166 clubs in the top 10 divisions. Arsenal come out as England's most expensive club, with Accrington Stanley one of the cheapest. Tennis and Wimbledon champion Andy Murray has until 11 o'clock to decide whether he's ready to play both singles and doubles in Great Britain's Davis Cup. That's at the playoff tie in Croatia. The draw takes place at noon today. Cricket and England's 2005 Ashes winning bowler Matthew Hoggards confirmed he'll retire at the end of the season. Speaking of cricket and the third one-day international between England and Australia was abandoned yesterday, all because of that wet stuff. Australia lead the five-match series 1-0 with two games to play. And two 2007 world champion Kimi Raikkonen will join Fernando Alonso at Ferrari next season. That's after signing a two-year deal to return to the Italian team. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, last 30 minutes of the show. Now... I should let you know that uh, every week we have a brand new podcast of the show. The best bits of the show. It lasts for about uh, an hour and uh, they stay up online for about 30 days. Um, last week's was a humdinger. Probably the best one we've ever done. This, one, this week's, ah, you know, OK. Uh, but if you want to download it, you go to the BBC Three Counties page. You click on the podcast link and you download it there. Or you search for Ian Lee BBC on iTunes and you will find it there. Uh, the thing is, I'm supposed to record um, all the links today or tomorrow for it. They're kind of just saying, well, coming up, um, with here's uh, Lynn talking about something. And then this is Stephen and Dave. They're having an argument about bats. And here's a wind turbine man having an argument about a wind turbine. 
I can't be bothered to do it this week. I've actually got to shoot off straight after the show today, so I can't do it. So, um, I'll get someone else to do it for me. Kelly, could you do it for me? Yeah, right. Uh, can I do I'll do it in your voice. Yes, yeah, yeah, so please. So i like, hi, it's uh, Ian, and uh, <laughs> it's my podcast. So I think people listening then thought... How rude? Why has everyone been so rude today? I don't sound like that in the slightest. I've got a good voice. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. There's a warning that prisons are failing to cope with the rapid growth in the number of older prisoners, partly caused by the increase in convictions for historic sexual offences. The Justice Select Committee, Committee says the Ministry of Justice needs to develop a national strategy to provide for older prisoners effectively. It says that problems such as poor accessibility, cramped conditions and inappropriate accommodation facilities need to be addressed. With us now is former prisoner, now active campaigner for prisoner rights, John Hurst. Morning, John. Good morning. John, why were you sent to prison and for how long? I was sent uh, to prison on the last one for manslaughter and I got a life sentence um, with a tariff of 15, but I actually served 25. So, you know... um, this is what's happening. You're getting people who are getting longer and longer sentences, um, and they're staying in prison longer. And you're ending up with um, uh, thousands of old age pensioners or infirm people in there, you know, uh, and uh, they don't really cater for them at all. What help do old prisoners need that they're not getting? Well, you know, I've seen people in there who are blind. Well, I'm blind myself now. You know, and I've seen people in there um, on crutches and in wheelchairs, um, you know... Uh, but you're not suggesting we should let them out, though, are you? Well, I, you know, you're getting people like Ronnie Biggs, you know, I mean, why, why keep him in... You know, he's practically on his deathbed, you know... He's, he's been on his deathbed for a couple of years now, hasn't he? Yeah, well, must be bad. Said, you know... Uh, they can't keep an old lag down, but I mean, the whole point about this is um, you've got the National Health Service within the, the prisons now, you know, and they uh, cater for uh, older people outside, so I don't see why they can't cater for them inside. Uh, you know, you're getting um, a lot of people in there, you've got something like 30% going into prison from the care system, mm. you know, so even before you start, these people have had their problems, and then as you get older, they're going to have those same kind of problems again, and uh, the the system has been relying upon the uh, generosity of other prisoners to look after uh, their own kinds, you know, uh, those who are infirm. And it shouldn't be down to the prisoners, it should be down to the system so, to care. So you'd like to see more medical care for elderly and infirm prisoners within the prison system? Either that or take them out of the prison system and put them in somewhere else. You know, Where? they can have, like, secure care homes. No, you know? John! Yes, secure yes. care homes? Yes. No. Because yeah. they've, they've committed a crime, they've done something naughty, they should be in prison. They are in prison. Well then good, you're going to put them in a secure care home, living a life of luxury. Living a life of luxury in prison, have you been in? No, care homes I'm talking <laughs> about, you silly sausage. No, you're joking. Well a care home is much more uh, uh, um, luxurious than a prison. Well, I don't know, I mean, from what I've been hearing from some of the care homes, like some of them are even worse than prisons. Don't be silly, no, care homes aren't worse than prisons. I've seen care homes, they're, they're, they're pretty decent places. You couldn't put, the, you couldn't have a care home for prisoners. There are, there are people... Why not? Well, because there are people uh, who uh, have not committed crimes who are desperate for, for good care home places, and, and, and they're being denied them already, so we're not going to give them to prisoners, are we? It's silly. 
No, of course, yeah. I mean, they're human beings. You have to treat them with dignity. Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. Well, you're not doing that if you're leaving them locked up, you know, with... uh, We're not going to let them out. We're not going to let a murderer out just because they're 70 and they, they need a wheelchair. Why not? Because they're a murderer. <laughs> They've committed a murder. Christ, I mean, some of them, you know, have uh, uh, been in there so long now, you know, the, the whole thing is... Uh, you, you're like flogging a dead horse. Well, they've know? obviously committed very naughty crimes, then, if they're in there for so long. That's, that's, you no, know. Not necessarily, you know. I mean, the parole board um, goes on the basis of what they perceive to be a risk. Uh, to public, but the, Good. They're, they're not the, actually dealing with the risk to the public, though. This is the problem. What they're doing is that they're thinking of crimes that the person might commit in the future, and yes. this is only in the parole board members' heads, and they're keeping them in prison as a result of that. Good. You, you know, that's thought crime. What thought crime? No, it's not thought crime. It's, if, if they, it is. The parole board assesses to, to, to discover whether these people still uh, possess a potential threat to the public. If they decide they do, then they keep them in prison. Good. Yeah, so that's what Good. I'm how they assess them, it, it, what they're doing is, like I say, they're thinking of these crimes themselves, and they're in their own heads. And you, you, you can't start keeping people in prison because of something in the problem. Well, they're, they're in prison initially because they have done something very bad, aren't they? Yeah, but at the same time, you've got to start releasing them out. I mean, you go somewhere like Sweden, for example, uh, a long sentence there is two years, whereas it's uh, double that here. You know, and they have been giving people automatic life sentences for piddling little crimes, you know, like stealing milk off doorsteps, you know. Who's, who's been given a life sentence for stealing milk off of a doorstep, John? Well, they have with, with those automatic life sentences. Once you've got the three crimes, they gave you an automatic so, life so, sentence. So, so give, give me an example of someone who's, who's got a life sentence for stealing milk off of a doorstep. No, they've... St- they've well, you made, can't because it's not happened, has no, it? No, but I'm saying crimes well, like that, they've done little crimes... And they've ended up being in jail with an automatic life sentence. Okay. You know, and this the sentence tariff is so short that the parole board is so overloaded with cases they can't get round to them. So you get someone who goes in who might have a three year tariff and he's, he's probably in six years waiting for the parole board to get round to looking at his case for release. There is there is one way around that, I suppose. Is don't commit the crimes. Exactly. Yeah, I thought you was going to say exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, but you, you want to tell those MPs who are fiddling their expenses of that. Well, they've not murdered anybody. They've not... They've not... Sure, I don't know so much. Well, John... When you had the Belgrano incident, John, yeah, and then you had the John, uh, Rock of Gibraltar ones. John. So, you know, yeah, well, these were done by MPs. John. Come on now. They've not gone around and robbed some old lady, and they've not gone around, and they've not gone and stabbed Listen, someone in they, the back. They rob old people all the oh, time. Yes. They do with the uh, filling next. It's like arguing with a sixth former. Come on now. You can do better than this, John. I know you're a very intelligent gentleman. We've yes, spoken well, before. That's, and what we've... that's what I'm dealing with you in this manner. Okay. But you're, you're seriously suggesting that a 70-year-old man, if they, they've got a bit of a limp, or they've got one eye that's a bit gammy, then no. even, if they've, even if they've committed a murder, they should be released. No, no. There's, there's people in there who are really so infirm, you know, I mean, it's like um, they're in, like, wheelchairs and you've got the drip there and, you know, and they can't go anywhere, you know, they can't run, you know, they're no risk to the public and yet they're still keeping them inside and that's what I'm saying is wrong, I mean, it's clogging up a system. You, c- you could safely let out something like um, 60,000 prisoners. 60,000 yeah. prisoners? Well, you want released? Like 88,000. Oh, John. But they don't all need to be there. That's what I'm saying. Well, they, they do need to be there because they've committed crimes and they are being re- yeah. rehabilitated and punished. No, the system, the more people you've got in, the less law and order you've got. It's as simple as that. It's the less people you've got in prison, then your system is working. 
you know, you need the crime prevention, and, and they're not doing it. I mean, it was only recently you got the Greater Manchester Police saying, um, oh, we don't investigate 50% of the crimes. Then the next thing they said was, oh, crime figures are down by 50%. Well, I'm not surprised if they're not investigating them. You know, and they've cut the crime by 50%. They're just not investigating them. John, it's always good to lock horns with you. We'll speak again soon. All right, thanks. Thank you very much. That's John Hurst, uh, a prison rights campaigner. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I like uh, arguing with John. I think he talks um, uh, 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 a lot of nonsense, a little bit of sense, a lot of nonsense, but he's very passionate about it, and it's always um, it's always fun. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Wind turbines. Mark's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Mark. Hiya. Mark, what do you think about wind turbines? I used to do advice on the whole subject to the eco-type power sources. Yeah. Wind turbines aren't economically viable in the middle of the UK. The benefit subsidies are the only reason why they have them. That's the simple fact of it. Then why are so many getting built, then, if, if, if the science proves that they're not... There's no science. There's no science. It's, it's the least windiest area in the UK. They... Well, then why... So, I was going to say, if the, if the science proves that they're not efficient, why are they being built? Is this academic science or the actual physical numbers? Well, I don't know. You're, you're telling that's me... The real, that's the real thing. I was put unemployed... You're telling right, me that, that, that the, they're the not... E- Mark, hang on a second. Mark, Mark, hang on a second. You're no. telling me that, 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 that they're not efficient... Uh, so I'm... I'm mis- land, no. Well, I'm, well I'm, that's the science I'm referring to. Where, where are you getting that from, then? Real data. Well, okay. It's just, if there was no subsidies, they wouldn't build which, them inland. Which, which real data are you getting that information from? Look at the meteorological. No, data. no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking to you. Which real data are you getting it from? I don't know. I'm asking you. Which real data are you getting it from that wind turbines are not uh, 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 energy efficient? No, they're not energy efficient in the middle of the UK. Okay. Which data? I'm, I'm going to pin you down on this, Mark, because you've said there is data. Which data are you getting that from? The actual meteorological data. Okay, um, and w- w- where is that, and what does that say? Well, that's that's from the Met Office. Okay, and what does it? I, why is this so hard? And what does that data say, Mark? I've not seen it. You obviously have. I'm assuming you've read it. What does it say? Yeah, years year, years ago. Okay, I'll try so again. The real the real, the what? real thing that's economic. No, in what this, does it? What in, does in this, this area would be solar panels? Uh, Mark, this data Sorry. that you have seen that I have not seen. What does it say? What does it actually say? I don't know. I've not seen it. I'm asking you. The real, the real fact of the matter is it's, it's more economic uh, to just put them at sea. That's where they work. Uh, and and uh, is, that, is that from the same meteorological data? Yeah. OK, so, so the, the, the data... We'll get there. We'll get there, Mark. Don't worry. Stay with me. The I don't have the numbers to hand, sorry. OK, but I, I think I, it's... I know, I know for a fact, if I'm going to advise... Do you want a wind turbine or would you put a field of solar panels in? Put a field of solar panels in. They but, will make electricity. But the subsidy system is... is but you must have you know, got... Benefit subsidies have, have tipped the argument. To make, that, to make that judgment that you would recommend uh, solar panels over wind turbines, you have, just, you have got that data from the meteorological website... The meteorological office, yes. Yeah, their website. And just with, I know you haven't got the figures, but just well, no, r- not their website. It went further back than that. Okay. Yeah. I know you haven't got the exact figures, but just roughly, what does that data say? In in real ter- terms, just to use a government phrase, 
you might be lucky to get sort of a day of wind per month. We got there, Mark. Thank you. We got there. That's what I wanted. Thank you very much indeed. So I'm sorry to press, but when someone says they've, they've got data, I, it, I like to go a little bit further and find out what that data is and where it's from. You have to, don't you? You have to. You can't believe everything. Mark, thank you very much. We got there in the end. Perhaps I wasn't being quite clear enough. And if that's the case, I apologise. 8.46, let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still slow on the northbound M1 after the accident earlier between Flittick and Bedford. Congestion back to the A505 at Junction 11. Half-hour delay. Southbound slow as well in the same area. And as you continue down past the A505 toward Redbourne, it looks busy. Into London, though, southbound easing after the accident at the London Gateway service is cleared. Traffic did get stopped briefly, but they've moved the vehicle out of the way. The A5 in Dunstable slow moving around the A505 junctions. London-bound M40. They've now closed a lane on the entry slip road following this accident a bit earlier this morning single vehicle involved. They're doing the recovery work now. It's at Junction 4 High Wycombe. The A40 into London. Severe delays this morning from the end of the M40 at the Denham Roundabout all the way through to Gypsy Corner in Acton, taking over an hour and a half to get through. Anti-clockwise M25, heavy from the M11 into the roadworks this morning around Potter's Bar. It's also quite busy after the accident, which was moved to the hard shoulder at Kings Langley Junction 20. And then it's queuing from Chorleywood to the M40. Delays now for Virgin Trains. This is crew to Birmingham New Street and Wolverhampton to Coventry. A signalling problem up at Wolverhampton means you could see some late-running services through Milton Keynes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.47, it's Thursday the 12th of September. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. People in Castlethorpe who are against plans to build a wind turbine say it'll cause too much noise, though the local council thinks it's a good idea. A head teacher from Ware says there's a lack of trained teachers in our region because of tests and targets which he believes puts people off. In sport, world champion Kimi Rackenham will join Fernando Alonso at Ferrari next season after signing a two-year deal. Coming up... Did you work out the song that our excellent expert whistler JVS was whistling earlier on? We'll hear what some of you thought it was in a bit. Let's get the weather first with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a great, it's a murky start. There's um, lots of low cloud around, some hill fog over the Chilterns too. Um, but we should see a bit of brightness develop a bit later on through the afternoon. Perhaps a bit of drizzle around this morning, but otherwise it is going to be a dry day. The humidity levels are fairly high. We're going to see temperatures of 17 or 18 degrees Celsius. So dry, just lots of cloud around, brightening up a little bit later on through the day. But I think that will be our lot. I don't think we're going to see very much at all in terms of sunshine today. Overnight tonight, a quiet ride home and dry through the evening just lots of clouds thickening all the while and eventually we'll see some outbreaks of light patchy rain as we head into tomorrow morning. Temperatures overnight down to around 14 degrees Celsius. It will be a mild night once more. Again some misty conditions developing over the hills into tomorrow. Patchy light rain on and off for much of the day and there's more wet and windy weather feeling really very autumnal indeed over the weekend. That's the forecast. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back because this 
is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the yeah. legsy, the bumsy. <laughs> You're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, earlier on, we played a little bit of this. It's JVS whistling, he's good. He's got a very strong whistle. Not as strong as mine. Yeah, I know, I know. We, we, we've all been impressed by it. We've all been passing a tape around, a little cassette of JVS whistling. Oh, it's good. It's very, very good. Anyway, we recorded uh, him whistling. We were so impressed by his whistling that, Justin, you came up with this idea, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, great idea. This, this the whistle test. Sony award-winning, only a Sony award-winning uh, idea if nothing else has entered that year in any category. Yeah, we are first for news, so don't forget. Well, no, we don't do that anymore. Oh, we don't? No. Oh, we're, we're local and vocal, aren't that's we? That's us. Yes. Hi, pleased yes. to meet you. <laughs> uh, you uh, we uh, got JVS to record some more whistling. This is his whistle from earlier. It's good. It's not bad. Not it's the not echo. <laughs> uh, so that's it. Now you have um, been okay. Yeah. Y- your whistling's pretty poor. You've been wasting uh, wasting licensed payers' money by going out and about on the streets of Luton to see if anybody could identify that whistle. What being creative? You mean? I was in the studio downstairs when JBS was whistling. Every single one of your phone lines lit up. People love this sort of stuff, they don't were, they? They were complaining. Were and, they? and one person was actually asking if this was the doctor's <laughs> surgery. That's a true story. Fantastic. So, uh, we've got the JBS whistle. Uh, in the last 20 minutes, this is uh, interaction. Very, very hot on the streets here. We've been out trying to, to find out if people can identify the whistle. And Ian, this is what happened. Can you name the tune? No. You can't? No. It was a number one back in 1983. I don't like the 80s music. Okay. It was taken off the album Innocent Man. No idea. It was written about Elle McPherson. Who's Elle McPherson? Desmond. Yeah. Desmond, name that tune. Uh, I don't know. Well, take a wild guess. Think 1980s. Oh, no, I, I can't remember. Come on, madam, take a wild guess. Downtown Girl? No, it's not Downtown Girl. Keep going. Okay. Um, so, think on the flip side. No. Nope, if no it's idea. not down, you're, you're going... Up. Oh, Uptown. Uptown Girl. It was Uptown Girl. Well done, thank you. Okay, thanks. Uptown Girl. Uptown Girl! Can you sing it for me? No. Oh, come on! <laughs> We've got a crowd here, come on, have a little sing, come on! Uh, uptown Girl! <laughs> She's been living in an uptown world! Do you know this person? Yeah. I picked her up last night. <laughs> yeah. I think you want to drop her off somewhere as well. Thank you. No problem. Thank here we have somebody from Germany off to Luton Airport this morning. Sir, what's your name? My name is Arno. Hi. Just any ideas on what that tune could be? I have no clue. Come on, it was big back in 1983. Come on. I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea. Uptown Girl, Billy Joel. Okay, really? Yeah. Can I hear it again? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, yeah. Fancy a little sing-along? Yeah. No, I can't. Uptown Girl. No, no, I'm not saying you know. No. 
I, I thought the whistling was was pretty spot on. I got it almost uh, it, it, straight after you told me what it was. Mm, it took me two or three Justin, attempts. Yes, it was. It was. A, you should, I can see JVS in the other studio, yeah. just a little way. Away. The look of disgust <laughs> when uh, that young lady was <laughs> was singing along. <laughs> he looked like he trotted in something thoroughly unpleasant. Welcome to Great Britain. <laughs> I like I like a good whistle. So do I. I really do enjoy it. Yes, I think we should go out maybe later on and and whistle to people. Well, you don't get because um, you don't get milkman so much these days. You don't get the whistling milky or the whistling posty. You'd imagine the posties will be whistling. They're going to get about two grand's worth of shares. Exactly. Let's start a nationwide campaign to oh. bring back the whistle. We could be famous for this. Sort Let's of thing. get uh, beds, hearts, and bucks whistling, shall we? <laughs> yes, shall we? Yeah, local and let's local. Get some, I got, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll get some car stickers. Um, print it up. We'll get some uh, wacky mugs, and we'll get some flyers. Yeah, and uh, uh, you can go and stand outside a shopping centre and hand them out. This is going to be a fantastic this idea. Is, this I, is. I, I reckon this is going to take the BBC forward. This is good. This is it. We're back. The yep. BBC's yeah. back, everybody. <laughs> forget the bad news. Forget all of those people in front of that that um, court or whatever it was. We are back. Yeah, doing our thing. Doing our thing. You see, the, the, like the way I called it a court. That's how much attention I've been paying to the uh, hierarchy of the. the, the the BBC getting a right royal rollicking. Colin is in Luton. Good morning, Colin. Morning. Colin Whistling. I'm not in Luton. Yes? I'm not in Luton. Oh, uh, where, where are you? I'm in Dunstable. Can I say Luton just because it says Luton on my screen and it's easier for me? No, because it's factually wrong. Factually wrong? But if we acknowledge it's factually wrong and we just say Luton, you'd be okay with that, wouldn't you? Not really, OK, no. OK. Let's go to Colin in Luton. Good morning, Colin. Morning. Colin, whistling. Did you get what song JVS was whistling? I did immediately. Yes. He's got a good old pair of lips on him. He has, yes. Yes. Are you a fan of the whistle? Yes, I am. I'm always whistling, but go, go, I'm terribly bad at it. Well, go on, let's have, go, no, give no, us a no, bit. No, Yay! no. I'm tone deaf. Come on, give us a whistle. Um, oh, I don't know. Um... <laughs> The theme to Blue Peter. No, that was Uptown Girl. <laughs> what, the same song that, that Jonathan was whistling? Yeah. Blimey! Oh, you were right, you're awful. Yes. Is that it? Yeah, No. Ah, it. No, hang on a minute, Colin, you're the... Ah, we spoke yesterday, didn't we? We did. We and did. we will speak tomorrow. I have, uh, for those who don't know, I've set Colin some homework. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start giving the listeners homework, I think. And Colin's homework is to d- tell, find some ways to make libraries sexier. We want to get younger people in libraries. We want the pink pound in the library, don't we, Colin? We do. So, you're going to... Have you been thinking about it? Yes, and I talked to someone that works voluntarily part-time in the library as well. Oh, to get some ideas on how... Did you say, look, BBC Three Counties Radio have asked me how to make this library sexier. Have you got any ideas? Um, sort of, something like that. Okay. Uh, Well, we'll speak to you tomorrow morning. Okay. Colin, look forward to it. Bye. Thank you very much indeed. That's Colin. That'll get that. What that's called is it's called a, a, a show throw ahead. We are throwing ahead to tomorrow's show. It's a little radio trick. Basically, you, you kind of flag up what you're going to have on next day's show so that people go, oh, ah, brilliant. They've got the, the Prime Minister is going to be on. Um, or they've got um, Jean Claude Van Damme. Brilliant. I'm going to listen to that. I like uh, uh, karate films and I like politics. So they've got David Cameron on uh, at 8.30, followed by Jean Claude Van Damme at 8.45. Possibly doing a head-to-head. We'll see how it goes in the studio. You've got to kind of suss those things out in the morning. Just see what the mood is. I'll listen to that. 
And we've done that there with Colin from Luton, who's going to be telling us how to make libraries sexier. Followed by David Cameron and Jean-Claude Van Damme, who are actually not on the show tomorrow. Which is a shame, because I would listen to it if they were on the show tomorrow. If we do the rest of the front pages, why the heck not? Well, I say the rest of them. Let's just do the Express and the Mail and the Sun, shall we? Ah, the Daily Express, drug to beat Alzheimer's. There isn't a drug to beat Alzheimer's. Why do you lie to us like this? Experts discover diabetes treatment reverses disease. It doesn't. A cheap and widely used drug reverses the effect of Alzheimer's. It doesn't. And could prove a game changer in treating the condition. It won't. The remarkable discovery gives millions of sufferers and their heartbroken families hope it won't. Of finally finding a cure. We won't. The British-led research discovered a commonly prescribed diabetes drug reduced memory loss, but it doesn't. It'll be available in about ten years' time. The Daily Mail. Oh, my gosh. Kylie Minogue is the new voice of The Voice. No, the new face of The Voice. Jason Donovan has sued The Face. No, hang on, what? And outrage as loopy UN inspector lectures Britain. Furious Tories last night. There's a reference for the kids, by the way. Jason Donovan suing The Face. It's exciting, exciting times. Ruined his career. Uh, and the front page of the sun I've got no idea oh it's uh, Michael Lavelle Lavelle's devil woman exclusive Satan obsessed mum who tried to destroy Corrie and a very odd picture of Elton John at the top of the, the, the sun there right that's it that's your lot let's get the travel shall we I filled a minute and a half quite successfully there no one would have known we were short of material travel news for beds cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio Seamless. The A421 along Barford Bypass eastbound, you've got a lane blocked. It's a broken down vehicle just before you get to the Black Cat roundabout. Then as you make your way down toward London on the A1M, it's slow past Stevenage and the A1 very slow in Boreham Wood down toward Mill Hill Circus. M1 northbound, still busy after the earlier four vehicle accident between Flittick and Bedford. The congestion remains back as far as Luton Airport at Junction 10. It's taking on average about 25 minutes to get through there. M40 London bound, a lane closed on the entry slip at High Wycombe Junction 4 for recovery work after an accident. A40 into London, severe delays this morning. There's problems down at Gypsy Corner in Acton and it's taking about two hours to get through from the end of the M40 at the Denham roundabout. M25 anti-clockwise queuing after the accident earlier at Kings Langley. There are also delays round past the M40 and of course through the roadworks. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. Let's be honest, in many ways the whole three hours is is just filling, isn't it? But done with a panache. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. Fear not, there will not be any whistling on my show this morning. But on this morning's big phone-in, is it selfish to live in a house that...